This is One Up's hard walking, truth talking, always walking, retro nuts! Everybody, it's me, Bob Mackey, your host of Retronauts for Retronauts Live, episode 36, and this week's topic is Lost Sega Franchises. Before I go any further, let me introduce my cast for today. Who do I have to my left? Jose Otero, oneup.com. He is our Professor K for uh, today, <laughs> yeah. and that was, an, that was an awesome approximation. That was expert. Yeah, Sharky and I could not come close to that, so thank you very much for thank that. Thank you. I tried my best. Oh, wait, and who else do we have? I give it away all the time. You I'm do. Sorry. Big surprise. Yeah. yeah, so Scott Sharky, pure... One-up alum, nothing in particular right now. Yes, and today we are going to be talking about Lost Sega franchises because unlike uh, Nintendo, Sega has a lot of history. I mean, okay, let me start that oh, they over both again. Have a, yeah. They both have a lot of history, but Nintendo sort of honors that history, maybe a little too much. And Sega sort By of, honors, you mean whores out. Uh, yes, constantly. Uh, that was a euphemism. But yes, but Sega has a lot of awesome properties that they just sort of forgotten about and have yeah. let, let life foul. Nintendo at least acknowledges their history. Yes, yes, Sega's like, uh, we're this now. No, no, now we're this. Now we're binary domain. Now we're whatever. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. that's what Sega does. Yeah, whereas Nintendo will send you the, what, Donkey Kong for the eighth, ninth, tenth time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's okay because better, it's still good, it? though. Yeah, in some games it does, and no, sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't. Right. <laughs> okay, it doesn't. So we're going to look at these Lost franchises, see what made them great, see if they could possibly come back, and maybe come to some sort of peace with Sega. Because yeah. I'm angry. I'm angry today. Yeah, mad as hell. I want Jet Set Radio uh, Future 2, or whatever you want to call it. But first... Not future, but yeah, first. Okay, Jose's got a problem. We'll get into that <laughs> later. First, let's read some letters. I have quite a few letters for this week uh, because I've basically been accumulating letters over the past two months. And not doing anything with them. Uh, yeah, because most yeah. of our past shows have been too intense to uh, even have room for a letter segment. So this time around, uh, we do actually have time because this uh, topic, while interesting, will not take up the entire time. So if you don't like letters, feel free to fast forward to whatever point we end. I, I don't have the information now. I'll tr- probably try to include it in the blog post for this episode. But... Until then, uh, hey, it's letters time, so let's do this. So we have a letter from Eric, and he writes, Dear Bob Mackey and the beautiful creatures of Retronauts, I appreciate your love for game music, and I feel a lot of people sweep it under the rug for some reason. I play in a VGM cover band, and I actually have a notepad of my favorite songs Retronauts has played throughout the years and have been logging them for future ideas. Who knew Zero Wing and Kunio Kun had such badass <laughs> soundtracks? And I agree with you. Uh, totally on Kunio Kun. I don't know about Zero Wing. I need to look into that more. But anyways, uh, Eric goes on to write, So to extend my thanks, here is one of our shirts. I remember hearing you are a skinny, nerdy fellow. I hope it fits. And you know what, Eric, you were right. He sent me a shirt. I don't have it now, but it's for his uh, VGM cover band. It says Kirby's Dream Band on it. And it's really? the logo for Kirby's Dream Land with the yeah. L's replaced with a B. I saw that, yeah. And Eric, I wore it and it fits perfectly. And I encourage all of our listeners to go to facebook.com slash Kirby's Dream Band to check out the music I did the other day. It's really, really good. Uh, two really awesome Kirby music covers. And uh, Eric, 
if you're going to cover a Kunio Kun song, I recommend the song I basically stopped the show for to play the entire thing. I don't think it has a name. I think it's like track nine or something. But mm-hmm. uh, if you can cover that, um, I will put it on the show in some way and I will give you uh, e-points or bitcoins or whatever the, the fake currency is these bitcoins. days. What is it? Is it still bitcoins? Beans, the web's currency. Does it have like a holographic <laughs> of Ron Paul on it or something? <laughs> Just so you know it's authentic? It's stamped onto every imaginary coin. I hope so. So let's move on to our next letter. Robert writes, Back when Jeremy still hosted the show, they did a Retronauts Live episode about the 16-bit Final Fantasy games, and someone made a comment that someone must have grown up playing the Final Fantasy Legends Game Boy games and not the console versions, thus thinking the Legend games were how Final Fantasy was supposed to be. I'm that person. Uh, He goes on to say that he learned about RPGs from his grandfather, who would play games like Final Fantasy and Dragon Warrior on the NES. And his grandfather eventually gave him a Game Boy, which is how he played his first RPG, Final Fantasy Legend 2. Um, by the way, when when I said I am that person, I meant uh, Robert, not me. Yes, I, I, okay. I wasn't sure if that was clear. Wait a minute, what? I'm also Robert, but I don't go by Robert. Don't, don't, <clears> ever, <throat> don't ever call me that. Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to kind of spin this off into a question for you guys really briefly. Um, how did you discover RPGs? And I guess we can talk about just JRPGs in general. I know oh God, how Sharky did we... probably started earlier with different RPGs. Yeah, like I think Telengard might have been one of my first proper RPGs. Was that so, uh, Apple II? Commodore? That was everything, honestly. Okay. That was like PDP-10s, I think, at one time or another. But yeah, that was, that was one of your sort of crossovers between... It wasn't quite Zork. It wasn't quite Wizardry. How about yeah. uh, Japanese RPGs? JRPGs. You probably Dragon Warrior. Okay, that might have been the first. Did one you I ran did across. you get in on that Nintendo Power scam? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I, I, I played everything from video rentals because okay. I didn't have an NES until like nineteen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jose. yeah. I got in on the Nintendo scam. Really? I my, okay. Yeah, I got my mom to order the uh, what was it? Subscription to the magazine got you uh, the game and a guide. Which yeah. I needed. Oh, it came with a guide too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Came with a guide too. I needed it. I didn't know what the hell was going on, but I played through the whole thing. Um, it wasn't as much fun that way. <laughs> but, I imagine uh, not. It was still, yeah, but it was still the first time I ever played an RPG. Outside of that, the only other time I tried to jump back in was probably Final Fantasy II. Okay. On the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, so that'd be four. Yeah, that'd be really okay. four. I'm not, yeah. the, I'm not the kind of person that would correct you. I just want to make no, sure no, it's clear yeah, for the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, uh, I didn't get the Nintendo Power. I, I called it a scam, but it's not. It's actually a pretty good deal. It's like a free Nintendo game for a twenty dollars subscription. Right. So yeah. I mean, that's like. You know, uh, I guess they had overproduced it or something. They figured it wasn't going to sell. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, that was. It was out there. It was a weird sort of thing yeah. to inflict upon the uh, American consumer. Instead of burying it in the desert, they decided just to give it away for free, which was a nice um, uh, measure of goodwill. Uh, Sort of. Yes, in a way. If they sold magazines. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure it did. But um, as for me, I I started with Dragon Warrior. I didn't get the subscription, but my friend did. Mm-hmm. So I think we all kind of started the same way. So in a way, Nintendo started all of this. Mm-hmm. And they're continuing it, right? Yep, with, yep. with their own commitment to Dragon Quest. Oh. Well, if it's coming here, I mean, they haven't said if Dragon Quest Ten is coming to to our shores. But there's yeah, always well, that question, still, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. Like every time there's an installment, is it going to make it here? Yeah. Oh, hopefully. Well, nine did. It was good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No. Which one was uh, the last one on PlayStation? The that original. was uh, eight. Seven. That was eight. Was on PS2. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So okay. it would have been Thank seven. You. Seven. Yeah. yeah. God, that, that that one had something like it was a shitload of discs. That's all I really remember from it. I um, think it only had two. Was it? But that was because it had some just horrific full motion video. Uh, but the game looks like it started as an SNES game, and they just it, kind it of really got loaded from there. Yeah. yeah like. 
yeah so the only thing i remember about that one was uh i didn't play it i i had a video store at the time and somebody kept renting it and they were playing through the whole damn thing yeah that, that is it is a long game that's about to play 120 through, especially hours if you're being completionist right and yeah. they got to the second disc and the second disc was scratched that is a bummer oh my god and it was like i'm sorry that's my only copy and god. yeah you're gonna have to find it somewhere i would just else. pony up the money and buy buy a copy at that I, point. I think you know i really wish they had yeah. well no i don't actually because i made a lot of money from them because they were renting this thing for like six months <laughs> so they, like they, they could have bought, bought it three times over okay. at least yeah i don't know if i told my dragon quest 7 story or dragon warrior 7 it was known at the time but uh I got to the last boss. I had invested 120 hours in the game. He beat me, and I was like, I don't care anymore. And I never <laughs> walked away. I never played it again. I still have the save on a working memory card. <laughs> so maybe one day, like, when I'm retired, God, I should probably back that up. Oh, uh, yeah. So maybe one day I'll go back to it, but I don't know about anything. I think I did the same thing with Earthbound. You don't know what Earthbound. to do. Wait. I mean, What's even that? if you did, how would you know what to do? I don't do? know. I don't know. I yeah. mean, there'd be, like, maybe an hour where I have to tool around. Like, how does this game work? Because that game doesn't work very well. I mean, mm-hmm. Dragon Warrior 7 is pretty bad, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Robert goes on, and he wants to mention a B-list RPG that we didn't go over on our podcast back in October. We had two of those. The Magic of Shahrazad. Shahrazadi, or how yeah. you say it? Yeah. I mean, that was a terrible name for an NES game. Because it people, really was. People couldn't even say Legend well, of Kage it, back well, then. Well, people couldn't not only say it, but it was done in the really flowing pseudo-Arabic font. Right, right. So you right. couldn't even fucking read it. I mean, <laughs> it, it, even if you could make out the letters, you couldn't pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, like but, if it was a Nintendo Power, like the Magic of, yeah, whatever, moving on. And yeah, then you go that's, that's what I just call it. It was that culture brain game with the Arabs. But yeah. um, I did not play it. Which, but he's giving a really interesting uh, explanation. He says the game included a Zelda-type overworld mm-hmm. set over uh, several worlds that you explored. Each world had a past and present or a present and future map to explore. It had towns and dungeons and even brutally hard random battles on top of the action-adventure combat on the map. It also has awesome grunts you could buy on each level to fight with you in each random battle. So, hey, check out the magic of, I have to look at the name again, Shaharazad for the NES. Maybe yeah. I will... It's, it's an excellent game. I, okay. I, I played the hell out of it when I was a kid. And I, know, I, don't, uh, I don't think I beat it until I ended up just doing it with a Game Genie because yeah. I didn't have the time to invest. But there were some clever bits. Like, you, you could plant a grove of money trees and oh, then go awesome. into the future and then harvest them. So, and, it was like, oh my god, it seems like every game with a time travel has the idea, it's like you plant you a tree You can plant the past. a tree and then it's go like, forward. Yeah, everybody has to mention that. But I they mean, never that was going to happen in, like, uh, what was it? The Fable? The, the, oh, I was thinking the Zelda for the for the uh, disc drive when that mm. before that was supposed to happen it was like yes you can plant a tree and that's then go right in the future but that never happened it did in uh, ocarina where you plant the seed and it turns to like a little hovering platform but didn't go far yeah, beyond the that big whoop yeah, you like, know who cares so no it did that and that you could hire mercs and it was an interesting cast of characters and I, I really got a kick out of it i will check that out the next time i am sick or have free time it's quirky as hell though yeah hopefully it's not as hard as zelda 2 so we have Nothing's another letter as hard as zelda 2 dominic writes in to recommend a game we left out of the survival horror episode which is the gamecube resident evil remake yep and uh jose i know you're a fan of this dominic says Mm -hmm. uh, say what you want about the data controls but it's still one of the most terrifying games i've ever played the best thing about that game was how mikami kept the fans uh things the fans loved from the original like the jill sandwich comment and those damn dogs jumping through the windows while changing them in subtle ways yeah like the crimson heads who can i was just gonna say the crimson heads were that that was a great addition to the game honestly that made you so much more paranoid Mm -hmm. it really felt like he was trolling uh, his audience but in a good way it's like i'm gonna take these things that you think are familiar but change them subtly which is something they should have done with the metal gear remake uh, metal gear solid oh god it was so by the numbers that there was really it was really kind of irrelevant the metal gear remake was so by the numbers that it was pointless other than first person aiming which made so much of it so much easier and it broke the game yeah and the cutscenes, which were like pure matrix bullshit Right, yeah. Like right. you have the feeling of Snake is sort of this limited human soldier, except for when you go to a cutscene, at which point he's like doing weird backflip somersaults off of and a fucking missile. Like <laughs> what? Yeah, like, I know. It's so you're not doing yeah. that in the game, and then it just flashes to this whole other universe. Where yeah, it's like I wish nothing I makes could. sense. Yeah. You know, but it, I mean, uh, that's something that happens in every other game. But in Metal Gear, you expect a little more consistency, just because sort of. Yeah, I mean, but, 
expect Metal Gear to be over the top, but you never get the sense that you know Snake is Neo. Yeah, he's sort of like. uh, And that one was still grounded. It was it's set before like Metal Gear Solid Two just changed what everyone thought of like a a Metal Gear storyline for the most. No, that was one of the few games I've ever actually pre-ordered and was so disappointed in. Mm -hmm. I I I hated that. But anyway, the Resident Evil remake I think was was a really good way of doing a remake. I do remember being annoyed at some of the uh, it quotes and interviews I saw at the time with, with with the designers saying you know it was like why are you bringing back tank controls? There's no reason for that. It's like well we think it's challenging that way. Yeah, like, I think well, I th- yes, it's challenging that way. But if you know, again, you could cut off my thumbs. Right. That would also make it challenging. <laughs> it, it's it's that's not a good excuse. I think by that point in time, uh, analog sticks were now a like installed format that everyone mm-hmm. had to adhere to, and they just were like, ah, we don't want to think about how to use this in a new setting. Let's just go back to the old thing. So yeah. it was just weird going from Resident Evil Three, which had sidestepping and quick turning. And, yeah, you know, yeah. To uh, you back still had to the counter move though. I mean, they put that in the remake. They where, did. Like, you they could did. Grab, like the knife so, or the stun gun. There was a grenade in the mouth thing. I think, I think but I do remember. The, I remember the stun gun particularly. Yeah, each character had their own like sort of defense move, and yeah. Plus, the sidestepping thing never worked like really well. I don't know. Like it didn't bother me. Really? It, did it. it was, was indispensable. Like it made, on the if anything, I felt like it made the game too easy. Uh-huh. Yeah, RE3, I like what they add to it. It didn't make the game easier, but I really, I, like, I played Code Veronica, the, the oh, re-release God. review, and man, that game obviously was made by people who were not even paying attention to where the series had been yeah. and like where it was going because RE3 had a lot of really forward thinking things maybe it made the game less scary but it was way more playable it's one of the Code very Veronica. few I haven't played through I, I tried playing it over and over again on the Dreamcast Code Veronica? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I tried playing it on the when it got a re-release and it was like maybe I was missing something no I just no it's, like it's a pretty bad game and yeah. I'm, I'm sorry if you like it guys it's better but, than uh, Gun Survivor yeah but, yeah <laughs> I wish the, the remake would, would uh, make the rounds as a digital release that would be cool like why yeah, yeah. it would have been way better in Code Veronica not that I'm totally digging it because uh, I played that game a bunch of times and played it over and over but I'm, I'm kind of a fan of Resident Evil so question. I'm willing to put up with it's bullshit we have to move on in a second but question did yeah. they re-release RE for GameCube for the Wii I thought they did uh, did they I didn't see it oh um, uh, yeah new play controls yeah well not really new play controls but yeah they did they re-released oh, really? it uh, RE4 and RE the, the GameCube uh, yeah, oh no yeah, shit was that did. like a double pack sort of thing mm, I think eventually later it became that but at first it was like two separate games oh, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And I think RE4's went down like really quick to 20 bucks so I'm pretty sure maybe yeah. the first one did too it, it, that was much better on GameCube anyway, mm-hmm. so I, I, yeah. I would much rather play it there than on the PS2. It just, PS2 didn't have the color depth to pull it off. No, but. I mean, it felt like it was designed for the GameCube, just like uh, RE, you know, are we talking about RE4 or RE uh, I was remake? talking about RE4, Okay, actually. sorry, yeah, yeah. 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 Or at least until I mean, the HD version came if along. You, if you could look at them side by side, RE2, I'm sorry, RE4 always looks so much more washed out and sort of red right. on the PS2 yes. compared to the GameCube, the thing, and it was just so much crisper. I don't want to dwell on this forever because we have to move on with letters, but uh, the thing about the GameCube version is, it, uh, like, uh, like you said, Sharky and Jose, the RE4 was designed specifically for the GameCube's hardware. So it uses this strange lighting system that can't be emulated outside of the GameCube. So even yeah. the HD uh, version on PS3 has a different lighting system than um, the GameCube one, which is far better. And I've seen yeah. the comparisons. It's pretty interesting. So check yeah. that out, guys, if you, if you care. Let's see. We have another letter. And... Sounds letter worked. We talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you. A uh, letter from Jared, and he liked the Kirby episode. Thank you, Jared. And he said, thanks for answering my Apple II question. I'm not sure if I did, but I probably did. Uh, and he goes on to say, it's too bad nobody on the show had one to talk about. The Apple II's 15-year lifespan made it home to some interesting ports and original titles. Mm-hmm. Any chance of bringing in some Apple fans to regale us, excuse me, regale us with Tales of Load Runner? And uh, I don't know if anyone in the office had an Apple II. Uh, I did eventually. Okay. Um, but mostly it was just I had one in the sense that everybody who went to public school had one. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, and the same with me. And we actually talked about a lot about the Apple II in our last episode, which was uh, we're going through the years. So we did 77, which is when the Apple II came out. Yeah. So, damn. Yeah, we were using those in my school up until the early to mid-90s. So, mm-hmm. hell of a lifespan. And uh, 
Jared goes on to say, like Jeremy Parrish, I was cursed with a Coleco Adam computer through most of my childhood, and those were damn expensive. That's my comment. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes on to say, there are not enough terrible things to say about that abomination. <laughs> the only saving grace was that my mom was a school librarian, and every summer she brought home a loaner Apple IIe. For oh. three months out of the year, I had a real computer with print shop, Bank Street Writer, and contemporary games. And September came along, and it was back to Buck Rogers, Planet of Zoom. And I know you've talked about this uh-huh. before, Sharky. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Adam, how about a failed platforms podcast? That sounds like fun, Jared. I might think about doing that. Every one of these turns into a failed platforms con- uh, co- a podcast at one time or another. Yeah, like we talked about a lot of those on the last um, episode. And actually, Jared goes on to ask if we're going to do our retrospective episode again. And, and we just did, Jared. We just did. But you wrote this a month ago, so I forgive you. <laughs> For not being prescient. Yes. How dare you not see into the future? And we have another letter with an awesome piece of art that will be on our blog. So I'll pass around the art. It's Mario and Luigi in a really cool, deformed uh, take on them. And on the back, there's some cool Goombas, too. So, guys, check out our blog. I'll be posting all the envelope arts. And oh, wow. This, I like this. This wow. letter is from John. I will read his comments. I kind of want to get a tattoo of these Goombas. They're, aren't they awesome? That's, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for you guys to see those. But anyways, uh, John says, I'd like to take a minute to talk about an underrated yet terribly bad game called Dragon Power, which is 1987's uh, Bandai classic. He says it's often familiar. overlooked or insulted. Uh, entertainment is high oh excuse me between a neuter Dragon Ball Z motif and quite possibly in one of the world's localizations slash translations to hit the system somehow this game manages to be fun and highly addictive in the face of perceived flaws this card is worthy for any retro game fan to explore there are hidden bonus rooms galore and confusing cutscenes to build intrigue I'd call it Kid Nikki meets Zelda meets Zero Ring Translator Hit detection can be shoddy and typified Kung Fu Master on the cover is not the orange clad Goku of the game but nonetheless, a solid hero. Is it Kusoge? I don't know. But it's in my Nintendo, and that's what counts. And that's from John. I have vague recollections of that. I think I mostly remember making fun of the advertisements. Uh, but, what were they? For Dragon um, Power? Uh, I, I would have to look. I'm okay. sorry. It's, it's, it's been that's so okay. long. But I, I do remember that it, was, it wasn't Dragon Ball Z. I think it was just OG Dragon Ball. Yeah, it was yeah, it original was, Dragon Ball. And it had a weird sort of paint job. And I do think, did they keep the old man making comments about collecting panties uh, or something? They I, didn't. It, Here's the thing. Uh, when you get all the Dragon Balls uh, at the end of the game, you make a wish. And I think there are three different endings based on what you wish. One uh, in the Japanese version is Master Roshi wishing for a pair of panties. Right. And they turn that into a sandwich. <laughs> that's you know i thought i misremembered that and okay. i don't uh, even think they redrew the the uh the spray so it's like that's i, I journeyed that's this far to get you sandwich. a sandwich uh, seriously i mean yeah. that, that's about as interesting as panties but still so yeah uh, we have more letters we have letters. a letter from kevin well, talk about and Kevin's i will pass around the, the uh, simon belmont envelope and he looks me. like bob it looks a little like me i've kind of got the prince eric haircut that uh this guy has on the cover and I believe this is from a cover of Nintendo Power, but I could be wrong, but I'll pass it around. It's uh, pretty sweet. And Kevin writes, Dear Retronauts, <laughs> as an older oh, gamer... I could totally see you okay. with the Prince Valiant yeah, haircut. Yeah, uh, I'm going to get cut soon. <laughs> this but, is uh, uh, the uh, Halloween costume waiting to happen next year. i got to I mean, wait a year? year? Yeah. Anyways, oh, Kevin writes, As an older gamer, I have a lot of fond memories of games that are almost unplayable today. And as the quality of games has improved over the years, one thing hasn't changed. The stories are bad. Now, there are exceptions, but the further you get from the release dates, not many game stories hold up. GTA 4 was a lot of for its story, but no one should compare it to The Godfather. I agree with you, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes on to say, The real disconnect to telling a good story is the whole idea of quote-unquote cinematic storytelling. Mm-hmm. The Uncharted series has been praised for its story, but if given a critical look, there are loose ends and plot holes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Cutscenes are no longer a reward so much as they are meant to justify events in the game and fill in gaps between levels. 
Where I believe storytelling is improving is in finding ways to integrate the story while you're playing the game. The Portal games are a great example. As you play the game, you're presented with the story as you experience the world, and the story isn't only told through dialogue but through the very game itself with excellent, excuse me, excellent visual and artistic design. I look forward to the time when games tell stories that serve the games rather than merely justify it. And he says, thank you for your time. Keep up the good work. That's from Kevin. How do we feel about Kevin's statements? I wholeheartedly Fair agree, point. Kevin. Yeah. I mean, Portal's always the exception. Right. I mean, if, 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 especially if you're telling a linear story, sure. I suppose. Yeah. But I, I would have to give props to Bioware, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of integrating a story with your own choices sure. and not just, you know, turning something into, I'm going to put my controller down and watch this yeah, stupid cutscene. There are very few cutscenes that you are not a part of or yeah. you're not actively making decisions And sometimes throughout. they are cop-out. I mean, it doesn't matter what you say yeah. for a lot of those options. It'll change dialogue slightly, but there's no lasting repercussion. But for the most part, you know, you actually do feel like there's consequence or there could be potentially for almost everything you say. And I think right. that means a lot. Okay. How do you feel about this, Jose? Uh, I think um, maybe some of the games that I, I've noticed have really good stories, or, or that pull me in, or, or games like Bioshock or like uh, Left 4 Dead, even where like mm-hmm. Left 4 Dead has this very bare bones story, at least on the surface. It's really not just, much hey, of a story, survival. Yeah, but but, but you, it's told if, if sort of passively. Yeah, yeah, very passively. You read through the environment, you see the things people wrote on the wall, you see sort of the evidence of things that go on. And yeah, I kind of like exploring spaces oh, where like shit games, happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where something happened, and you're kind of putting the pieces together afterwards. Again, a Valve game. I mean, you can get as much out of that game story as you want. Or, you know, you can yeah. even do this for a lot of Bethesda's games. They're they're really masters of just telling a story without cramming it down your throat. Sure. Um, even in Skyrim, which honestly, a lot of the, the explicit story, the stuff where people are babbling on, doesn't grab me that much. But there are so many silent storytelling yeah. moments. Like when you find that one abandoned mine with the journal of the two guys sure. that bought it, and they were they were mining it out, and he ended up going back to town. And when he got back, his buddy was gone. Yep. And if you go leaping up into this one waterfall area, you could find the guy's uh, skeleton oh, yeah, crushed by rocks, yeah, surrounded yeah, yeah. by gold deposits. So he actually did. Yeah find it but you know it's just but that's in no way necessary to actually find and yeah. it, it doesn't yeah. actually you know it beats you over the head with it it's just yeah. like oh you know the whole story at a the, glance yeah the player created stories like just the things that you discover while you're trying to look around these worlds or, well, it's not really possibly. player created it's just an implied story uh, i mean I guess, it's, it's yeah, sort of like you know sense, yeah. it, it, well it's it's like the stories in super metroid there, are, mm-hmm. there there's no dialogue there's there's no text scrolling mm-hmm. to explain it to you yeah. it's just you saw it it happened yep you yes know, I, I would prefer that usually this sure. is hardly retro but kevin your, men- your mention of Uncharted. I recently tried to play Uncharted 3, and I, I apologize to anyone who enjoys that game, but I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel what they're doing techn- technologically, technically, technologically, whatever, is <laughs> very interesting. But as a result, I feel like I'm reined in way too much. I can't explore these beautiful worlds they create outside of the one path they want me to follow. Mm-hmm. And I realize that's the intent that they're trying to, uh, that's their intent all along, but I don't like that intent. Sure. So I don't have mm-hmm. to like your game. Um, you're free to like the game. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Damn. C minus. Let's move on. Stop liking stuff I don't like. <laughs> that's my general uh, intent with this, this podcast. So uh, Andrew writes, and he actually, Andrew uh, knows me very well. And he, he uh, did a little drawing of Ness from Earthbound on his envelope, and I'll pass oh, that nice. around. Very very nice, Andrew. I appreciate that. Very nice. He writes, I'm always interested in uncommon opinions. For instance, I think they're okay, but I never got into the main Final Fantasy games much, classic or modern, though most gamers seem to be attached to at least one of them. On the other hand, I really like the original Crystal Chronicles on GameCube, but not hmm. too many people do. Do you guys have any games that everyone else seems to like, but you don't, or vice versa? Games that you like that no one else seems to. And I'll start with this, because I'm the king of liking games that no one else does. Uh, well, aren't you I, the iconoclast? Whoa. Not on purpose. I just think I have very, very, like, uh, abnormal taste. Like, you hipster I, bastard. 
Majora's Mask, my favorite Zelda. Uh, Breath of Fire, Dragon enough. Quarter, my favorite uh, Breath of Fire. I love Deadly Premonition, which is a really polarizing game. Oh, who doesn't game. like Deadly Premonition? If you don't like I that, mean, you're broken inside because it's it's not only it, hilarious, it is like insanely fun to just tool around in that strange no, it, world. It is an infinitely entertaining game. Yeah, it's yeah. actually like if you were going to do a Mystery Science Theater night with with a game, I mean that is, oh, yeah, that is yeah. the one you go to because it's, it is consistently entertaining in its insanity. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, man, just God, I love that game so much. Uh, how about you guys? I mean, either uh, we have games that everyone else seems to like but you don't and i, I mentioned for me uh, in that past letter was uncharted and then uh, games that you like but no one else seems to so where do you mm. fall usually Jeez, that is a hell of a question yeah, no, again, again i didn't I, think I, about I, it I, I would have to think about that i wish you would warn me in okay. advance but i am mm-hmm. going to agree with you on deadly premonition especially if you you know essentially do everything you can to turn off combat just like yes, as yes. easy as you can because it is pointless it is unenjoyable and that's another filler, game but... where you can uh, you can choose to find as much of the story as you want because every character has their own routines throughout the chapters you can follow them around see what they're up to spy on them mm-hmm. uncover oh, yeah, side you can quests. look through windows and see yeah. little bits of yeah Man, that game. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, it's the fact that it keeps track of every little thing you do, too. And that it's like, is great, too. I am number three in the world at eating like, cream puffs or whatever the fuck I've shaved more than anyone else <laughs> yeah. in the game. <laughs> so yeah. we have a letter from Paul, and he drew a little Mario Mega Man dude, which is kind of clever and cool. I like it. Oh. There you go. You can check that I, out, Jose. I do like that. Uh, he he looks says, like Gordito. Gordito, who's that? The, the, the kid from Dr. McNinja. Oh, yeah, okay. Or just a Mega Man Pringles guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the, yeah, I like that take. Um, so, what up, Bob and featured Retronauts, which would be Jose and Sharky. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, I want to start a discussion on the era of game rental. Hey, Sharky. Yep. And how renting and buying had uh, an effect on the way people played games. Very interesting. For instance, I don't think I would have ever gotten into RPGs were it not for the fact that renting games on cartridges meant getting access to the saved games of other players. Oh, yeah. I think I was too young or too lazy to bother to comprehend leveling up or whatever to get far in my own new game of Earthbound or Final Fantasy III. But if there was a far along save from a preceding renter, the whole RPG experience opened up for me. Not only were the characters stronger... But the world would be completely opened up. Add an airship or public transit, and it really felt like I had free reign to just explore a giant open world. I eventually got properly into playing RPGs just in time for the PlayStation era where, quote-unquote, one save progress was one's own. But mm-hmm. I developed a taste for open world games that wasn't quite satisfied until the PS2 era, like GTA 3, and have come to find open world RPGs finally become the dominant expression of the genre with Skyrim slash Fallout, etc. Anybody relate? I certainly can, I suppose. I mean, it was always something about, you know, renting, say, Secret of Mana, and it's like, oh, you named all your characters Kunt. And, yeah. you know, I can... And <laughs> I, 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 he draws an interesting equivalence that, that an uh, yeah. RPG you've mostly finished is essentially an open world if somebody's just sort of jumping into it I and never, has no idea what's going on. Yeah, of course, I never they've thought already of done that everything that's worth doing. Right, mm-hmm. right. So there's not that. Um, sure. I think probably the most interesting aspect of that, especially if you're talking about rental and uh, resale, um, was uh, especially the Pokemon games. Oh, you're I, th- right, that yeah. was That was my bread and butter for the longest time because people would bring in old Pokemon carts and trade them in. And I had people who come in and they would buy them just to find out what somebody had for Pokemon on their saves. Right, right. So they could just trade them to themselves. And then they'd immediately sell the cartridge back at like a quarter of was what this, I sold uh, it to them for, wow. you know, like two hours ago. Was this during the height of Pokemania? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, this is late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. And yeah. that, that okay. persisted for quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, I had the same experience where... I didn't like to spoil myself with RPGs, but I would just kind of like sneak into somebody's save, just like, oh, what, what are they now? Yeah. What, what equipment do they have? What level are they at? And it was really fun. And I, I do agree that we do not have that anymore, except for maybe on DS carts. Is that the last, the Pretty last much, uh, yeah. hope for this? Where it's sort actually of thing? locally saved. Yeah. 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 Thing is, also <laughs> at uh, at GameStop, uh, there was once a policy where employees could take home games. <clears throat> 
right. and um, try them out or whatever. Because I guess at one point we were supposed to be informed. That doesn't happen right. in GameStop anymore. Yeah, Not I said apparently. it. I said yeah. it. But anyways, uh, <laughs> people would get mad because they would buy games and like have people like save like, data. Why is there a save on my it's new like, game? Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. the policy ended, and we were all very sad. Why am I remembering some sort that. of like Pokemon issue with Nintendo and like a, a review ROMs for a Pokemon game that went around? But they were like. Pokemon on the on the ROMs themselves that have like oh you're thinking yeah. of Animal Crossing oh and, I am I'm uh, thinking of oh right let's not, the letters and let's stuff not that say people would get. what the term was but it was a racial slur right. yeah yes. a bunch of racial slurs oh, we didn't say it yeah. Yeah. it was a thing that happened yeah but yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. So, I mean, so how is Nintendo situation. condoning this? My, my, you know, daughter or whatever got this really crude letter from an animal in the game, and it's right. like, well, it's a used game. It was a user thing. We I mean, should probably yeah. also say that, um, well, it's, it's the uh, the games like teach each other like language and stuff. Like the characters will ask you, "I need a cool thing to say," and you teach it to them. And then if they go to another town, they will teach the other yeah. people there. So you can <laughs> yeah. you can so, spread the hate. That's from, from yeah. Animal Crossing. Or you could just log into somebody's town and make a constellation called the cock. Yeah, know? yeah. That was that. That was just it's just a thing that happens. But that also happened with the Pokemon. People would grab those, and it was like, "Oh my God, there's a Mewtwo in here, and, he, and he's named Shitcock." So like, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. The kids got learned somewhere. Might as well be from Pokemon. <laughs> we have one final letter. Thank you for for uh, sticking with me through all these letters. But I found them very entertaining. And this is more of a point than a question. And uh, this is back to a blog post I wrote about being horribly upset that we were only getting the GBA version of Yoshi's Island instead of the SNES version, which is vastly superior. Yeah. Uh, GBA version is still playable, but it's not preferred. Anyways, Scott writes in an email, a real-life email, he says, you mentioned in a one-up post that problems emulating the Super FX2 chip can't be the reason that Yoshi's Island has not been released on the VC because the emulation community has already done it. So yes, it's entirely possible, and the Wii is surely powerful enough to handle the emulation, but Nintendo still has to implement it. And emulating a special-purpose graphics chip is not a simple task, nor is it a simple thing to test. It would surely take at least several months of time for a good developer to implement, and then all of the required testing. And, once it's done, the return on that investment would be not much, since not too many people would buy Yoshi's Island on the VC. Hobbyists did it because economic return on investment didn't factor into how they spend their time. They do it for the love of games and the love of programming. You should... No, I'm not going to say it. I think you Scott has a very it. good point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I expect more of Nintendo, but I don't think Yoshi's Island is going to break the bank for them no, in a good no. way. Yeah. But the thing is, like, Sega, uh, when they were doing their emulation or starting to in the back in the Dreamcast, they, they, they hired hobbyists. Yeah, like, yeah, the man. guy who was using, the guy who basically programmed the emulator I'm using for Retronauts Lunch Break, which is our video series, is um, the guy. Was it the Genesis guy that they grabbed? Uh, it was the other guy. His oh, name oh, is Steve other... Snake, or okay. that's his pseudonym is Steve, uh, Steve yeah. Snake. But anyways, they, they basically got the technology from him. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling Nintendo is developing their emulators internally and maybe not yeah. like looking at the code of other people. So maybe that's why the Super FX2 chip can't be emulated or they just don't want to do it. Yeah. Do you guys feel the same way? Like, this is a very good point, and I'm glad can, Scott brought I it up to me. I sort of agree, but not really. Yeah. I mean, especially working internally where they're not having to do any reverse engineering. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that, that, honestly, they should just be able to do that fairly yeah. easily. I would like and, a, and a better excuse. That, you yeah. think they could actually just grab a hobbyist and say, hey, can we drop a few bucks on you? I'm sure they wouldn't mind. Right, yeah. right. So Yeah, I need a much better excuse for that game to not be available to a wide audience because it's one of yeah. Nintendo's like finest uh, finest games. Will it, will it always live in the shadow of Donkey Kong Country, which is a damn uh, shame? I think so. I think it will always live in the shadow of just being one of the final SNES games that they put out just yeah. because, uh, I mean, it was a year before Mario 64 and that yep. game changed the world. Yep. Well, uh, I mean, if, if again, if, if Nintendo doesn't see enough economic impetus to, you know, make this game available, then congratulations, you don't have to feel guilty about emulating it. 
Yeah, that's, exactly. That's pretty it's much like, the way it works for no, me. It's not like way. it's gone from the universe. You right. can totally yeah. play the shit out of it on your PC, and yeah. I would do it guilt-free at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if they do make it available, sure, I'll pick it up. Trucky, that, that's yeah. startlingly anti-SOPA of you. Is it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. How odd. Uh, <laughs> yes. So thanks, everybody, for writing in. And if you'd like us to read your letter on the show and or feature your envelope art on our blog, please write to Retronauts, care of Bob Mackey, IGN.com, 625nd Street, 3rd Floor, San Francisco, California, 94107. Do it today. Tune in. Turn on. So, gentlemen, we finally have reached our topic for today because that's important, right? And today's topic... We had a topic, right. Yes, I almost forgot. Once upon a time, there was a company named Sega. (laughs) And there still is, against all odds. (laughs) Yes, they managed to stick in there. But in an attempt to stay afloat, to be profitable, they developed several franchises, most of which are now gone from the planet. The one I can think of that's still around is Sonic. That's the only one, really. I mean, um, Fantasy Star sort of exists yeah. in some weird, perverted... Like, so uh, does Virtua Tennis, yeah. because there's a yeah. Vita game. But for the most mm-hmm. part, they only back Sega. And as I said earlier, Nintendo does honor and respect their franchise, and in, in, in they do milk it out a lot. But there are a lot of franchises that Sega had that are laying fallow, and I think... Well, it's been really that way deserve. since day one. I mean, yeah. they've always been going on to whatever the next thing is. But a lot of the so. time, they, they would drop things for a good reason, like Alex Kidd. Like, no one's crying for that right. to come back. And if you are, I don't know I don't know what's wrong with you. Their unofficial mascot. But there are so many franchises here that could come back and would work on modern-day systems and maybe even be better. And our mm-hmm. first one we're going to talk about today is Jet Set Radio. And I'll let Jose oh take this, because he wanted to have an entire Jet Set Radio podcast. I did. Unfortunately... It's almost justified, but honestly, I yeah. think that would run out. There's only, uh, there are only two games. Let's start with the first game, Jet well, Set Radio. Well, three, technically. Yes. Yep, that's right. Wait, what's the third? GBA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, oh, we can, we can I, briefly I, mention it, but please, Jose, uh, start us off with <laughs> well, Jet no, Set Radio. I mean, Jet Set Radio, uh, specifically uh, designed by Smilebit, which was made mm-hmm. up of a bunch of former Team Andromeda people, people who worked on Pedro Dragoon, yeah. um, and it's a Sega internal team, and... Uh, you know, put together. I mean, it, it, it was very cool because it was sort of this like this very colorful pop culture, uh, at least for J- Japanese people. Maybe I mean, not for us. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the setting definitely didn't fit anything sort of Westerners knew. Right. Yeah. But an awesome game. Um, Please explain like the premise, just oh, in yeah. case anyone well, is. Well, the premise unclear. is essentially the warriors, except with rollerbladers. Yeah, yeah. So. and not a lot of violence. I mean, nobody getting yeah. the shit kicked out of them. Wow. Well, <laughs> yeah. You, but not in a bloody way. Yeah, right? it's yeah, more yeah, like you get hit by cars. But, yeah, you know. and cops. Yeah. 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 Well, Cops beating the shit out yeah, of you. Yeah, and so, you, uh, you, know. you basically fight the power by, uh, or, or you're representing your group by throwing up your tag wherever you can. And remember, though, graffiti may be art, but it's still a crime. Yeah, there was right. the first winner. <laughs> that was the winners don't use drugs of the uh, the late 90s. It was the Dreamcast, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so you run around uh, environments tagging up and uh, within a certain time limit. Um, and uh, th- there was a loose story where you were trying to represent your gang, uh, and, and you know they did it in a really like fun kind of whimsical yeah. way. But it was very dark, you know, moving across the city while th- is being narrated by a radio personality. Yes. So in that yeah. sense, it's a lot like uh, Warriors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah now that you mentioned right. it, yes, yeah. yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, or do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. God, don't remind me. 
So anyway, yeah. Um, but but in radio. practice, it could have been a little better. I mean, the the time limit thing I sure. think was really frustrating. I agree. It was one yeah, of those things where you you'd play through it and you'd be enjoying yourself, and it wasn't until you got about halfway through you realized there's no way I'm going to be able to finish this. I'm pretty much just fucked. So, right. Yeah. You know. And it's kind of like Grand Theft Auto, except that there's no way to hide and have the have the authorities go away. The the danger is always increasing as mm-hmm. you go throughout the yeah. level, and it's always going to hit a peak at you the very end. You hit a critical end. point yeah. where you're just screwed. Yeah, like, yeah, you, you, yeah. you almost had to go into each level with like a plan of attack and say, okay, these are sort of easy you tags. You absolutely save did. these for later. Yeah, yes. I have to do no, like the was, big tags now. It was an it exercise help. in old yeah. school memorization. Yeah. Is in you would play through these levels over and over again until you knew where everything was. You plotted out the best route in your mind, and then you could go through and right. do it all in order and hope you don't screw up too badly and get hit by a bus at just the yeah. wrong time. And there were maps, but they didn't really help. I mean, no, they did I don't not. want to bag on this game, but this is the reason why I think this game would come back, well, no, because of, yeah. like, uh, design sense today could really inform, like, sure. what this should have been. And mm-hmm. by design sense, you don't mean just cramming in uh, cell shading to mask oh, your no, lack no. of polygons or something. No, nothing oh, no, like no, that. No, but that's, that visual style looked great in that it game. It really yeah. did. And the well, soundtrack complemented it so well. Because that's not why they were doing it. That yeah. was, that was, it was just the, the way it looked best. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't there to mask any lack of fidelity, yeah. which is what a lot of cell shaded games were. I mean, do you remember stuff like cell damage and whatnot that came or out fear and, effect even oh god oh god um, yeah well, yeah that was pretty yeah. ugly that was cell shaded as far yeah. as the ps1 could do that's that probably sort of the thing. first cell shaded game i can remember too i don't know if mm. i can remember it depends on how you're really that. looking at it i mean i no. think uh, uh what's the gran turismo developer polyphony uh, you're talking about polyphony yeah, yeah they made a i think one of the first cell shaded games i'm sure there's somebody else that did it but one of the first notable ones was motor tune grand prix mm-hmm. which was a racing game that they made and i think okay. it was uh it was on the playstation mm-hmm. and it really made people take notice like what is this thing that they're doing with the graphics but yeah. it never came out here so it never made a splash but sure, I see. yeah sure so sure. what else can we say <clears throat> i mean we point out the problems that the goal of the game is to go throughout a level tag all of these spots that are just waiting for you to you know hit them with spray paint all sure. the while avoiding the authorities including a homicidal police captain who just fi- opens fire on you oh yeah like yeah. Yeah. that ridiculous jaw and the big yeah. hand cannon and yeah. Yeah. gigantic like, hair uh, tanks that come after you and oh, they send too. tanks like, and helicopters level, and shit yeah. in because yeah. the, my god these kids yeah. are spray painting it's yeah. like yeah. you yeah. don't you don't have it actually kind of mirrors the occupy movement uh, <laughs> the disproportionate response yeah it's just like send out the tanks but you don't have weapons you you spray you spray paint cops which is awesome yeah uh, oh, yeah, rival, you could hit, you or could, rival gang members. Well, the guy with a big gun, too. you could hit him in the back. When yeah, he and then he's completely like, cool. incapacitated yeah, for the rest of the level. He yeah. Well, no, for a little while. He would get oh, back okay, up again. He would like, wipe yeah. off the pain or but whatever. But it was something you would actually work into your plan of attack. It was like, okay, if I spray the cop at just this point, that'll buy me a few seconds to get the last few tags. Yeah, and yeah. momentum was a big deal, too. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't momentum a thing that would help you like plow through like cops if they were yeah. like, running up on you. Yeah, they would actually just bowl through them. But they would grab onto you, and you have like three of them hanging onto your back while you're trying to slog forward. That was one of the issues of that game, which they, they fixed in future and we'll get the future soon but this game it deserves a lot more discussion but like momentum was a huge deal in that game mm-hmm. and it was really hard to pick it back up after you slowed down or stopped yeah. like you had to it keep was as going. bad as like losing a life yeah essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah like you had to keep mm-hmm. moving and like a lot of these stages or maybe all of them i have to go back and look i'm sure there are a million youtube videos but i think they are all designed that you could just basically basically do an infinite grind sure throughout the yeah. entire like you geography could, of the yeah. map yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. i can think I know, of many cases uh, where you couldn't like in Jet Set Radio Future, that was stressed because you never had to stop to spray. You could spray on the go. Yeah. So technically, you could grind the entire level yeah. if you were really, really good. Mm-hmm. But what oh, else? I mean, we left out the soundtrack. I mean, good God. Yeah, we'll like, get that to that. Was probably that was one good. of the coolest parts of, of yeah. that game. It was quirky. I'll give yeah, it that. Yeah. I mean, if you were into weird J rock and J pop, then then that was that was fantastic uh, yeah. i don't know if i was into it but i definitely got introduced to a lot of stuff through it and uh there was even a weird song like uh mischievous boy yeah uh, which has this really f- weird french sounding like person emergency, 
It sounds like the, well, the beginning of the song sounds like the Beatles yeah. Revolution number nine. Yes, where it's yeah. like this is strange oh, voice. Uh, yeah. That just like yeah. where is that coming from? Well, you could probably cut that in here somewhere. But yeah, yeah, I plan but on then jamming a lot. You had stuff like you know Soul Brother or whatever, which was mm-hmm. just sort of cloying and irritating to me. I love sure. Sweet Soul Brother. Yeah, Do like you? Oh, yeah. I'm so yeah, sorry. I like it too. You might be thinking of Super Brother. They're two oh, I'm sorry, brothers. Super Brother. Super that was brother. Brother. Yeah. sorry. Okay, I got him completely mixed up. Don't mess with Sweet Soul Brother. Yeah, that was Guitar Vader. You should go after them for that. But I mean, even even that song, as annoying as it kind of was, it still grew on me somehow which was another oh, weird I, thing it about was like an in joke with game. me and my girlfriend at the time for the longest time mm. you oh, know, really? just, just yeah. because it was that thing she, she had to hear it in the background constantly when i was playing this <laughs> damn game <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah that was it uh there's so much to talk about but like the music uh reflected the singular vision that these people had where it came off in the gameplay the graphics the music the, the way the game controlled it was just all like all it came together really well yeah i mean but it also mm-hmm. you would hit a threshold where it's just like I'm, i can't get any better yeah, despite than its problems gonna... uh it, it was a good game but like i i've never finished it now it gets really oh, really have. bitchy towards oh, the end i want to i've <laughs> yeah. tried and, and i finished I just, it like three times but it's because i like sat there and did, you really did not have to leave. yeah i but, did not want to give up uh this could speak to why the game was so unpolished developed in only 10 months really by yeah. a group of what like 25 people 25 people yeah, yeah. and they were all like holy shit in their mid mid to late 20s it was mm-hmm. a very very young, a young development team. group so it's yeah. like sort of like a very young inspired team allowed to be given complete creative freedom although that wasn't completely complete right jose because there was some outside pressure and maybe the game was too japanese so how how did they like address Uh, that they they addressed that by creating two levels that specifically would appeal to kind of western audiences so Mm -hmm. it was bantam street and and grind square and It's just strange to me because now it makes sense to me why both stages just never seem really like they odd. fit right. Yeah, yeah they, they just did it. I mean, and granted, I I was really um, happy to hear though, like doing research for this thing, that uh, Bantam Street was uh, was inspired by the South Bronx, which is where I yeah. grew up, and it always felt like really familiar to me. I was like, wow, this oh, looks like why. this is like fucking uh, Jerome Avenue. Like, I, what is, <laughs> you know, what is what's going on here? Um, and Grind Square, I mean, is obvious. But Obviously, they both a, yeah. don't work very well as levels either. No, um, they Grind feel Square very different, especially. Yeah, is it, oh, that's impossible. Like, yeah. yeah. I, that stage specifically, just how the, how momentum was so important, how the enemies were so annoying, and how everything, uh, all the rails would lead you to like these upper sections that you had uh-huh. to like practically memorize. And your first time, you didn't have to practice. You, you literally knew. did have to. Yeah, if yeah. you didn't, you were screwed. You didn't know what was going on, so it was really, really hard uh, as far as like level design went to really like figure mm-hmm. it out. And also, they westernized it by adding. Uh, because another game needed Rob Zombie's Dracula. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, I forgot of, about that. Uh, in at least in at least five uh, games. Uh, uh, Gran Turismo. I should look them all up. There's there's actually, something yeah. called like Sledstorm that it was also mm-hmm. in because oh, really? it was in the demo okay. for the game. I never okay, played the yeah. whole thing, but yeah. yeah. Gran Turismo Two had it. I know Jet Set Radio Future. Had, I mean Jet Set Radio had it. Um, and they also had like Jurassic Five, which I can't mm-hmm. even remember like what what yeah. Uh, who yeah. these people are. But I mean, I think we we talked we we kind of talked about the soundtrack too fast because the guy who did most of the songs. Deki Naganuma, yes, mm-hmm. amazing uh, talent. Uh, he was unfortunately after this uh, game not really put to good use. Like he did uh, the first Sonic game for the DS, mm-hmm. which is an okay soundtrack. Uh, it was but Rush, right? It was Rush, yeah. Sonic but Rush. It, obviously he he's he works better with like uh, like a better you know better technology because mm-hmm. I don't think he could shine on the DS's sound hardware. He also did a a sort of Jet Set Radio ish soundtrack for an arcade game called Ollie King. Mm-hmm. If you haven't had, uh, if you haven't listened to that, look it up. It's really good. It's like only six okay. songs, but it's amazing. Okay. And he did the 
uh, sequel, but um, I think definitely this 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 episode's gonna have a lot of his music because uh, it's just so great. This is one of my favorite gaming soundtracks of all time. Sure, uh, the sure. First it's quirky radio. and weird, but it, it just grows on you so much. It, yeah. There's things on this soundtrack that I like wouldn't have even caught dead listening to before I played the game. Hmm. And then just, like I said, it just grew on me. To and uh, like Sharky was saying, his girlfriend was complaining. Like I remember I was living at home when this game came out and I was playing the game. My sister walked by. She's like, that game sounds annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe to some people it did, but not to me because I love that music. Um, so yeah, do, do, do we say who directed the game or like how it all uh, came together? Did. That okay. is uh, Masai Yoshi Kikucha or Kikuchi. Kikuchi. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, he's a veteran Sega man who, uh, again, part of Team Andromeda, uh, worked on Planet Panzer Dragoon, and actually worked on the Yakuza series as well. Right now, he's doing a, a PS Vita game called Samurai and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Oh, we totally didn't even mention on the online component either. Right, right. Oh, yes. You could, you could oh, totally man. trade uh, tags and shit. Yes. Because there was yeah. the in-game editor thing, or you could import JPEGs and yeah. whatnot. Did any of you like spend time with that? I did. Oh, I spent I a lot of time with that. Yeah, I, I had it, but I did, didn't have yeah. that much uh, effort to yeah. uh, do that or that much know. incentive to do it but it looked really cool yeah, like yeah. I just uh, yeah I mean it was very bare bones but because nothing looked yeah, as like good the as the stuff in the game for, yeah, it was these very, days but, yeah very know. bare but I remember like making like pretty decent looking tags on it and then you, you could share it over second you could do yeah. some really elaborate stuff and it's, mm-hmm. it's funny because that that's the same sort of thing that, that, that they later used in uh, like uh, PSO when you could do your, your gestures yes that's remember, right uh, you, <clears throat> those were all built out of geometric primitives oh, right, that you yeah, could stretch them all filthy or if you wanted to bring it up again APB which you know, with its decals yeah, and yeah, tattoos yeah. and stuff, is also yeah. the same sort of thing. You're, weird, you're manipulating geometric forms and, and turning them into much more elaborate things. We both yeah. reviewed APV. Oh yeah, we did. Different versions of it. <laughs> Still not. Well, good. I mean, it's, we've re-reviewed that thing. How many? How many second chances do you do you give a shitty yeah. game like that? <laughs> even even if it's free. But I mean, it, it was a similar sort of thing, as opposed to sending like a big bitmapped image. It was an image built out of other smaller things. Right, and you so, know what? Yeah. You didn't need an online pass for that. Yeah. Sega Net no. was way cool. In fact, well, I mean, they were just testing this idea out, but so I, there weren't a lot of extras for games, but the ones that they gave you were really cool, like yeah. uh, Samba, Samba de Amigo. It's a shame that these games couldn't be unlocked any other way, as far as I know, but they had like a ton of songs you could just download for free, and they would give yeah. you a new one every week. Oh, wow. And uh, Sonic and Fantasy Star would have different holiday events. Oh, where yeah. they would just like throw a Christmas that. tree in your game. Who cares? But hey, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool really touch. Cool. Yes, so, yes. yeah, like Sega Net was, has some pretty innovative ideas, but like. A little too early for most people to wrap their brains oh, around. Even what it was on GameCube, to be. they did stuff like you could you could uh, you could tie it in. And they had like this Knights mini game that you could play at a oh, certain really? time of year. Okay. Yeah, but but if you plugged in your GBA while you were, oh, you, you know, had to do yeah. that too. You got to give uh, Sega credit though, because they were always trying to give bundles Sega Net for free with like any game you bought. You get mm-hmm. like a hundred hours free, fifty hours free, like whatever, just to try and get you to like yeah. get online and try. Yeah, some I of mean these that, that's how I did it because I, I like I did that. I got all the extra content for all the games that mm-hmm. I had. Yeah. And, I and then you never it. used it again. No, not really, because yeah. I was like I have cable them downstairs I unless you're playing up. pso there really wasn't yeah. yeah yeah how long would it take to get a samba the amigo song over 56k i'm pretty sure they just downloaded the keys to unlock them on your disc oh, yeah. because uh, yeah. yeah it had to be because i'm just like what that that's a cra- that's yeah, crazy because we can't forget the dreamcast uh, had a 56k modem this is not like xbox or whatever yeah so yeah mm-hmm. what else do we want to say about jet set radio i, I just, think we're good on jet set we have to get on to future again. we do yeah did you like future because no I, I didn't yeah i didn't either
Well, at the time, I didn't actually have my own Xbox, okay. um, but I also I did have my store. I could have just grabbed one, but I didn't care enough to. Um, okay. And I was I was playing that there, and I was I was just not impressed. I, it, it, I, yeah. I, it's I, been so long. I really couldn't tell you why. This is okay. going to be mostly you guys. I like okay. it more than you guys. Uh, <laughs> I agree. It's not as fun or infectious as Jet Grind Radio, okay. uh, which I think we've been calling it Jet Set Radio this whole time. But we yeah. should probably say it was called Jet Grind Radio. It was You're right. when it first came out, yeah. uh, and now which uh, is a the, weird marketing switch. No one seems yeah. to know why. It seems really arbitrary, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. They, I, maybe the PR team wanted to like emphasize grinding because that's I what you think do. At the time, know. the Gap had a series of ads where they're like, "It's so Jet Set," and then they would they show all their clothes or whatever. So I think the Term jet set so were they was trying trademarked. to dissociate themselves from a grind? Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I see. I think yeah. it was the Gap or uh, Old Navy or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was wow. probably Old Navy. Remember those commercials with the old lady and the dog? Yes, I yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, anyways. Jet Set Radio Future. What I liked about the game is that they streamlined a lot of stuff. Weren't those ads directed by the same chick into the Hey Mickey video back in the... I'm oh, sorry. Bit oh, of trivia. That's, that's okay. totally irrelevant. We'll figure um, this out later. But anyways, uh, what I liked about Jet Set Radio Future is it streamlined a lot of the things that made Jet Set Radio, uh, the original, unique, but a little frustrating. No more time limit. Uh, the encounters yeah. with the authority were in these small areas mm -hmm. that, like, they basically dro drop a cage on you, you defeat all the enemies, and then it lifts up and, and you're free you to out. go. <laughs> I see. Um, what else do they do? Uh, there's a trick system that eliminates the need to boost, which was hard to do in the original game because you had to use up paint cans to boost. Right. So, in order, so in order, you, would, you would jump and you'd pull off, like, a bunch of switches. Yeah, and, and it would, would make you faster, faster you which hit. was a yeah. really great idea, and you didn't no longer had to stop to spray graffiti, which in some people's opinion was a bad idea because it was fun to do the motions. I mean, yeah. it was kind of cool and immersive, but it did hurt your thumb. Mm -hmm. Oh, and God, yeah. Yes. Some of them were really hard to do. Like anything that was a half circle starting from the bottom yeah. up or like the full 360s. I mean, I got really good at doing them, but I mm -hmm. admit that it took a long time Well, that to controller do. was not ideal. No, either, no, 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 no. At all. And a lot yeah. of the time when you were spray painting stuff in the original Jet Set Radio, um, there'd be people swarming you, snipers taking shots, you yeah. helicopters hovering, yeah. tanks you below you. You wouldn't get a split you. second to actually yeah. finish that 360. Yeah, that was really yeah. frustrating. Yeah. So it was the reason you needed a plan going in. Yeah. So it was cool to see them pare that stuff down. I just the art style just did nothing. Yeah. It felt like a second attempt on Jet Grind, on Jet Set, Jet Grind, whatever you want to call it. But it didn't feel as cool. Like this whole like leap into the future yeah. just didn't work to to kind of make me excited. And especially because so many concepts from the first game just kind of came back, and it, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to see like something a little a little more maybe. It hmm. had a bunch of ugly colors that I really associate with That's the true. Xbox. That's true. It had a very different it's palette. Like, yeah. Rose, olive, too. green, and like yeah. bright red yeah. set against each other, yeah. and like it was it was garish. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, well, and the previous one used a lot more primaries. I think. Yeah, it was much brighter. <laughs> yeah. Even the like dark and like uh, grim, like I guess more grim stages were had like a certain like brightness and cheeriness to them. But on the Xbox, it was like the dystopian future. And I was explaining to Jose, I don't know if this makes any sense because uh, Jose didn't really respond to me when I said this to him. <laughs> but I was like, Jet Set Radio feels like. A, a really pre 9-11 view of the future like it's the 90s we all have money the future's gonna be great all these colors and we'll like we're gonna spray paint things and, yeah. and, and yeah. then like Jet Set Radio Future post 9-11 it's gross the colors are, are nasty <laughs> uh, it's like yeah I don't know if that's just me but like the original Jet Set Radio feels like it's like an NSYNC album cover where it's like we're all in the future it's great it's the late 90s whatever but sure. that's uh, my look at things tell yeah. me if you agree in the blog post Sorry, I just alienated everybody. With I don't my, agree or disagree. My pre-slash-post-9-11 <laughs> worldview theory. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm saying the world can look like pea soup without having to uh, to blame Al-Qaeda. Damn it. 
Yeah. We have to blame uh, yeah, the terrorists on Jet Set Radio I guess, Future. I guess I didn't connect with it because uh, this game was created in Japan, and for the most part, the identity of it, until they had to put in these two stages for in the first game for like U.S. Western audiences, right? Um, it just had sort of this isolated like Japan kind of. Well, feel we to don't it. know a lot they, about the development of Future. Maybe there were a lot more American influences because two, well, it was Xbox. I yeah, mean, that's, that yeah, was, they, it was an oddity. They sent it to die for that reason. Like it really felt right. like this game did not belong on Xbox. Yeah, like, to, to it allow it was an odd duck yeah. to allow yeah. this uh, this basically flop to have a sequel on the Xbox. If feels like uh, maybe a lot of creative control might have been wrested from what the creators originally wanted. I'm mm-hmm. sure they were very gracious and happy to make a sequel. This is just me um, pulling stuff out of my ass, by the way, but I just have a feeling that maybe they had to make some... Um... Well, if by sent to die, I mean, you know, it was made a pack-in. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. eventually. It didn't start eventually, as a pack-in. Yeah, it like, that way. Uh, yeah, what was the original pack-in? The pack-in... Uh, Xbox didn't have a pack-in originally, okay. I don't think, yeah, but it eventually became uh, yeah. Xbox... Uh, sorry, eventually became Jet Grind Radio Future slash uh, Sega GT 2002. Okay. That's, right. that's yeah. what it was. Uh, and that's how and I bought my copy. Really I remember having a lot of copies of that flying yeah. around because nobody yeah. cared. And yeah. I bought a copy of it like a few years ago for like two bucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sega GT 2002 is not playable on 360. Who cares? But Jet Set Radio Future is. Heartbreak. So if you want that, you can get that version of the game. It's not hard to find. No. Other additions to Jet Set Radio Future is they for the love of god thank thank you for doing this they made the camera button and the graffiti button two different things right right that would flip like, you around when you were just trying to adjust your view. Yeah, yeah yeah it's like i don't know why they made the decision in the first game but well it was that a, was an old third person early 3d game problem was constantly having to recenter the camera behind right, yourself right. you know i mean you I still mean, had to do that but i mean to spray like you'd be accidentally recentering the camera and you have to keep yeah. like adjusting yourself so it was kind of uh-huh. weird and uh what else can we say about Jet Set Radio Future? Oh, I want to say this. It has the most irritating song in the universe that I love. <laughs> I'm going to put a clip of it in there. It's a Chibo Matos or Sibo Matos birthday cake. It oh, is I know this song. a small yeah. woman just screaming yeah. for about three minutes. And it has oh, this God. amazing like rap breakdown in the middle that I'll put here. You It's, it's great, isn't it? It's, it's, like, like, no, it's, it's on my irritating as fuck mix. It's right yeah. up there with like yeah. ultra relaxed. It's like if you want to alienate your friends, uh, put this in your car and play it. And, I'll play it on uh, someone's birthday. Like, what is wrong with you? Where did this come from? It sounds like like North Korean rock or something like that. It's yeah. like, yeah. This is made by somebody in pain, but... Uh, Sibomato or Chibomato? It's a Sibomato. It's Sibo, sure. okay, yeah. sorry. It's a, it's a shame this is the only way you can play uh, Jet Set Radio now. Agreed. Outside of owning a Dreamcast. Um, wait, are, are PC Dreamcast emulators any good? Anybody know? No. Um, well, they, 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 they can be. be passable, but, yeah. you Like, know. GameCube emulation is just goddamn amazing. I have not looked into Dreamcast emulation. Maybe I More should. More people give a fuck about GameCube emulation, honestly. Yeah, yeah. which is strange because of the you know, how, how loved the Dreamcast yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of cool creative ideas on Dreamcast. Yeah. Kind of a shame. But a big point of this episode, which I'm not sure if we brought before, is the fact that so many of these games we're going to talk about are not playable on anything but the original hardware, which is quickly becoming, you know, broken, obsolete, hard to find, or, you know, just like, where is it? I don't know where to get this anymore. And Jet Set Radio, uh, I read an article posted in 2010 about the making, which we're pulling a lot of this information from, and I'll post to it in the blog. Mm -hmm. But they're like, I think at the end of the article, they're like, uh, this game's going to be coming to uh, XBLA soon, because the the creators are being kind of coy. But it was mm-hmm. obviously obvious that they were, you know, indicating that it would be available soon. But it's been two years and nothing. So it never happened. Yeah. So I'm wondering yeah. if maybe 
the the programming they did for this game is very like Dreamcast specific, but I'm not sure about that because Dreamcast is a Windows. It's kind of famous for having really screwy architecture on yeah. the systems. I think that's part of the reason why emulation mm. is but so sketchy. But the Dreamcast sketchy, is a Windows uh, Millennium Edition or Windows something it, it, it or other. It was Windows ME. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so right. I, I don't think that's a oh, good God, excuse. Oh God! Speaking of, do you remember Choo Choo Rocket? Yes. You, you remember the the uh, the Flash game that they oh. put out to promote it? Yes. It, uh, was the whole game online or the, something the, like the, that? The, or? the thing is that well. It, Choo Choo Rocket was essentially a Flash game. Right. So, you know, yeah. it's no no great stretch. Um, so they put up, like, I can't remember if it was, like, 10 levels or something in a Flash game. It's like a promo thing. To which people realize you can take apart the SWF and just put all the rest of the levels in oh, there. Oh, those so, clever wow. bastards. So that was nice. going around before it was even out. Okay. Uh, what? <laughs> and so, it was just yeah. this tiny little file because so, we were all on dial-up. So, you know, it was okay. like, oh, I have Choo Choo Rocket now. That's nice. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what an era. What an era that was. But, uh, yeah, like, I want to play this game. And maybe maybe Jet Set Radio and Jet Set Radio Future sold so poorly and just awfully that it's not even worth them to emulate it or throw it up on an online service. And that'd be sad. But it seems like so many people like this, so many people remember this game that it can't be, like... It can't be that well, that unpopular, isn't can it? Just a radio future on the the Windows Marketplace thing. I, I, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, it I, might I, be. I, pr- it might I, be. I think I've seen it on there. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. In this case, you you can buy an old Xbox. I mean, version Jack Ryan Radio game. isn't, but yeah, I, but SRF. I, I more I more mean the original version because okay. it's uh, it's unavailable everywhere right, else. Right. Uh, and that's that's the one I do want to play again, and mm-hmm. I don't want to dig up my. If Dreamcast. you want to borrow it, I've got it lying around. Oh. I think I need my Dreamcast, too. Oh, okay. And that mm-hmm. might be here. I don't know if it's back in Ohio, but we'll find out. I have one at my desk if you need to borrow one. Oh, my God. I have one yeah. in my closet. My dreams are coming true. Yeah, right here. But they also made Jack Ryan Radio GBA. And <laughs> it's about okay, as good as That's about as all you should say. <laughs> I do want to say it's extremely ambitious. It has six of the songs mm-hmm. through some crazy some crazy S- sampling technology. Yeah. It's not the whole versions, but it's pretty damn close. Yeah, that's But true. the game does not play well. It's isometric, which is just terrible. <laughs> which looks a lot like the Tony Hawk games of the early GBA. Like mm-hmm. Made by the same uh, people. Yeah, Vicarious uh, Visions. What, did they handle the GBA port as I well? I thought they did. I, I wasn't sure. Uh, so. I could be wrong, so forgive yeah. me if I am. But I know Sega had a lot, uh, maybe not a lot, but a handful of their games uh, ported to the GBA and Jet uh, Grind was one of them. Okay. But Jet Grind Radio, we love you and we want you to come home. Yeah. It almost feels like this concept too will work so much better now. I mean, even if you, you, you and I hate to say this, I mean, Uh-oh. I really hate to say this, but even if you threw something together on like an iPhone or an iOS device where like the graffiti you thing the would be a lot more. Or something or... Yeah, or just like drawing on the screen would be yeah. so much more intuitive. Or do put it on Wii. I mean, we saw uh, something online, um, Unseen64 reported that a uh, Company Kuju Entertainment in 2006 mm-hmm. pitched Sega on doing a, 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 a revival of Jet Set Radio. Really? Yeah, oh, and Sega turned nice. it down. But you know what? Looking at well, Kuju's resume, did. I would have too. Like, uh, <laughs> I just don't oh, know. Yeah, right, there's just not guy. a lot of cool stuff there. Their hearts were in the right, right place. And the, the concept yeah. art looks really cool. Yeah, it I does. mean, it really it needed reimaginings, but not too far away from yeah. their original, uh, you know, the original mm-hmm. take on the characters. Yeah, so. It would just be great to see them kind of reboot the idea, yeah. and, you know, take away the timer, try and do some of the things you did in uh, in future, but at the same time, keep some of the things that still, you know, worked really well. Also, Sega still uses these characters like Beat and Gum usually in like Sega All Stars Racing. They're version like yeah. sega superstars tennis they show up so they're like, not completely forgotten no they like but so does like uh, alex kid shows up in those same games so he i guess they're on his level now oh, but shit. uh yeah so we so want they're, they're right up there with opa opa or whatever yeah I, I think he might be <laughs> forgotten i'm not sure probably is
on Two Panzer Dragoon. Wow. The second Forgotten Sega franchise. Unfortunately, we're not going to be talking as much about this because these games are pretty much completely unavailable outside of, you know, the original platform. So, well, there have been re-releases. Um, um, the original uh, Panzer Dragoon, I think, didn't have it. No, I'm sorry. I'm getting wait, mixed up with Valkyrie Profile. In, wait, what, was one of them included in Orta? Remember the, yes, another? Yes, yes. And um, that's jumping yeah, ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're going to get yeah, to that and have that in my notes, but yeah. maybe think of Gun Valkyrie, actually. Sharky. Oh, I'm sorry. Gun Valkyrie. Yeah, that's what it was. That? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's another Smilebit The most awkwardly yeah. controlling game yeah. in the world. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's... I'm sorry. That was Gun Valkyrie. Yeah. So, yes. Saturn, May 11th, 1995, a friggin' launch game for the Saturn Panzer Dragoon, developed by Team Andromeda, who would later become smile a bit and now they are sega sports r&d makers of mario and sonic at the friggin olympics so i feel bad for you smile a bit uh, that's what is fall, what a fall from grace uh directed by yokio futatsugi uh, who worked on uh, both zvai and saga mm-hmm. and he's now working on project draco wait say that name again zvai zvai eins dry zvai zvai that's yeah. my German, folks. That's it. Uh, the gameplay, you're just on a rail. It's a rail shooter. Um, yeah. You can look and fire in uh, any direction. It's kind of like Star Fox and that it's a technological showpiece for the platform, but the gameplay is sort of not super interesting. Um, this game, like I said, launched alongside the Saturn, and at that point, no one had seen uh, such great 3D graphics on a home console yeah. before. Well, I mean, being constrained um, to a, you know a corridor shooter, right. I think, made that a lot easier. Yeah, so, like there was no shooter, there was rather. no worry about like what if they go here? We can't yeah. render that or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think you had some limited viewpoint control. Yeah, like but, you can yeah. turn around yeah. just to focus on enemies, but that was basically it. But yeah. still, I mean, this is about five months before the PlayStation launch. Wait, no, three months before the PlayStation yeah. launch. So nothing like the 3DO couldn't do this. Yeah, uh, CDI go to hell. Uh, 32X. Yeah, no, no it no was way. it was nothing yeah. short of mind blowing. Yeah, and, and like mm-hmm. game yeah. magazines at the time were freaking out. They're like Panzer Dragoon, next big thing. It's yeah. amazing. Go oh, get God. it. Oh God, it was so yeah. many, so many Panzer Dragoon covers around that year. God, I remember that. People, this is not a test. We are at DEFCON Five, Alpha Sector. Check. Tango Sector. Check. Delta Sector. Only Sega Saturn has three 32-bit processors. Delta Sector! Three processors mean better gameplay. Delta Sector, you hear me? Sony PlayStation only has one. When you've got Sega Saturn, nothing else matters. Sega! And it, it was really visually impressive. It was. And it's, I still, mean, and it's still fun to play. I mean, it's your basic, you know, lock-on sort of pipe shooter. Right, right, right. I mean, right. it's... it's not as entertaining as say something like res no and i mean you, you can Eden, you can but, play it and be done in like less than two hours yeah and uh it sounds and nice. without a lot of room for improvement well, either yeah have res and child of Eden because didn't res uh weren't there also some former team at yes team there were people Th- there were and, it, and yeah, it shows yeah yes. that's why yeah. they're almost indistinguishable gameplay wise mm-hmm. yeah i mean other than the rhythm element sure. um, which yeah. is important yeah, <laughs> i put well, in my that's the thing yeah. to set apart yeah. i put in my notes that it's clear sega wanted to make Panzer dragoon something like a big important franchise because they really put a lot into work into the world they employed this french artist named mobius Mm-hmm. Uh, to do concept art, um, and you can this is somebody who's also very iconic. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. You can, like, you can recognize Mobius at a glance. Yeah. Anything, and I'll try so. to include some of his art in the blog post for this episode. But mm-hmm. also, before this idea was in vogue, uh, they had a fake language in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, really? I guess yeah. fans have have dubbed it Panzerese. This is pre Klonoa, mm-hmm. pre uh, Eco, yep. uh, post Tolkien, yeah. post Tolkien. <laughs> but Tolkien didn't make video games. Ha. That's true. Yes, mm. go to hell, Tolkien. 
there's also <laughs> a terrible anime OVA that yes. came out in 1996. Yes, I think I, I've seen fragments of it. Like, I watched it because it was one of the first VHS tapes that hit my video store, but man, it's right it's up there bad. with like the Final oh, Fantasy V from... anime yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of like, wow, I don't need and to see this. And they sell it at GameStop or yeah. uh, whatever this... your, your game store was at the time. <laughs> this yeah. is where the secret anime past of uh, Bob yes. Mackie. <laughs> my secret anime past is coming back. I will include a clip of this right here. You're chasing after that that black dragon? Will you help me rescue Alita? All right. I'm not sure what this is all about, but I swear I'm going to get my Alita back. So this is what the sky feels like. Yes, it's that bad. Uh, I'm sorry you only heard the dub, but the dub is pretty bad. Mm. Oh, God. God, I watched this. It's one of those this. things where it's bad enough you just want to go over the line into full-on, this is going to be a bad experience, let's make it as terrible as possible. Yeah, yeah. So just listen to the dub. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The if dub anything, is, that makes it more tolerable. I really doubt it was ever released on DVD, so I think the dub is the only way. I think uh, it may have been. Is maybe as a pack-in or something? I can't remember. Mm, I'm, I'm not sure. You could be it, right, actually. I think you are. I think you are. Um, the game is pretty short, only six levels. Uh God, the game saw a PC port, which made its way into Orta, mm-hmm. yep. and it was also a PS2 Sega Ages installment, which we never got. And Sega Ages was a re-release of a lot of uh, Sega games for the PS2, and yep. we only saw a few of those we over did. here, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. there was like the Treasure Box was one of them. Mm-hmm. All yes. of Treasure's games in one uh, collection. Like, right. Yes, I remember that. Uh, Wonder Boy, an entire Wonder Boy collection. Yep. Man, so many great uh, collections that we never got. So yeah, we, we can't play this now. Uh, I guess maybe you can try to track down like an ISO of the PC version because there's no way in hell you're going to you buy can. it from a store. Yeah. But I don't know if it'll run on Windows 7 or XP or whatever because it's obviously a Windows 95 um, game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And, you know, that, that is pretty much your best bet just yeah. because Saturn emulation still sketchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't look into it because I do a lot of emulating just for fun. Like that's a console with some weird goddamn architecture. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like they have like motherboards and sister boards and like stepfather yeah, it's, boards. It's a wreck. Yeah. Well, even so. how they drew polygons was different than everyone oh, yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they, they yeah. yeah it, was, it was completely different. Uh, there was an entire so. Retronauts episode on the Saturn, but essentially Sega yeah, Design... Fact, it's, it's different enough that you have a really hard time using, you know, video accelerators to complement yeah, yeah. it. Like wow. it was originally designed to be a 2D system, but then at the last minute they're mm-hmm. like, oh shit, we need 3D because 3D is the next thing. So they have this completely separate co-processor. Right, right. And it's really hard to program for and also to emulate. But uh, yeah. And honestly, so many games use so many weird little shortcuts and tricks that if you're you're not emulating the hardware very, very, you know, with good fidelity to what's actually happening in the background, it's just, it won't work. Some games will work, some games won't. It it feels and sounds like the most finicky piece of uh, console hardware to program for and to just mess with. It's probably improved in the last few years. I haven't really checked in on it in like maybe three or four years. Yeah, I I think I I need to. It's probably coming up to par at this point. But for the longest time, that was like your your frontier i'm sure there are a ton of fun saturn games that people are like rom hacking and translating and stuff that maybe might come out soon but i don't know about that um also this was on game tap if anyone yes, it remembers was. that yes, it was. i went to game tap so i have no that, idea what... speaking of people who grabbed emulator programmers and, and right gave right them work yeah yeah game tap did that once uh, i don't know what they do now i went to their website apparently they, they're still around but i, I searched for pins dragoon and uh pins dragoon's vi but uh neither one was on the site when I searched for them. Really? And, and I read news stories like, hey, look, Panzer Dragoon and the second one are well, on I thought on they picked up Saga at one point. Uh, I did not at least find they were anything about, about that. It. I wish they had. Yeah. Oh, man. I I'm sure they were. The, the... I remember old episodes of Retronauts when Frank uh, was on here, and I think mm-hmm. he had worked at GameTap. He and, had. Yeah, he, he, he and, took uh, one of the jobs I, I think I turned down oh, there. Oh, damn. <laughs> well, you had to live in Atlanta for that. 
Yeah. Dare you? Dare uh, you live in Atlanta? No. Okay. I, this seemed a little like a better prospect. Yeah. So. Um, but anyways, yeah, I don't know what happened to that game tap. You have some explaining to do or explaining. I know. Th- I think they may actually have put Saga on there at one time, but hmm. I'm not positive. I do remember they were talking about it a lot. So. I would like to see that. Let's move on to Panzer Dragoon. Okay, the most redundant title ever. Panzer Dragoon 2 Zvi. Zvi means two. <laughs> so it is like Manos the Hands of Panzer Fate. Panzer Dragoon 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also a, a game by Falcom called Zvi 2, which yes. is 2-2 two, two again. Not Falcom. affiliated Panzer. Uh, not a lot to talk about here. Like I said, I'm very sorry, but like this is even harder to play than the first Panzer Dragoon, and I wish I could play it, but uh, not, I don't have the hardware. Yeah. And it did, um, I don't recall it having a PC port at any no, time, so that makes it even uh, harder. I guess, like I said, GameTap might have uh, had it at one point, but not anymore. And um, not a lot to talk about. It's just a really refined version of the first game. And if you look at videos, it still looks pretty good for you know a Saturn game. It looks better than the first game. And uh, there are multiple routes, uh, a growth system for your dragon, which relies on your performance. And uh, your dragon can't even fly in the first two levels. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I was, you're running on the yeah. I was reading on Hardcore Gaming 101, which I which I read um, to uh, do a lot of this research. A great website, and Kirk Collada from the website was on our Kunio Kun episode, mm-hmm. and. Um, Apparently, the first two levels, you don't fly, and there's this part in the second or third level where your dragon just falls off a cliff, and you're like, oh, crap, oh, crap, and then it just, it's wings open, and yeah. you, you go flying, and you're like, okay, awesome moment, yeah, yeah. and uh, it did sound really awesome, so yeah, that's Panzer Dragoon 2. Again, I apologize for not going into greater detail on this, Oh, but did Kurt call in, or was he in town? He called in. I've never met oh, okay. Kurt. Oh, but he, like, I think I've met him once or twice. He seems like an awesome dude. He, he ran the Castlevania classic gaming site for a long time, I think that he? was him. Yeah, I think that I think was so. him, but uh, yeah, Kurt Collada... I think nice I've only guy. met on the one time. Anyway, sorry. Yes, yeah. we are on the Panzer Dragoon Saga. We are. And this is, like, I feel it was Sega's answer to Final Fantasy VII, but not really, because, I mean, I'm sure this was always in the cards. It, this is not a reaction yeah. to Final Fantasy VII, but it no, was no. their big RPG that no one sure. really cared about. It was. Uh, it had a real-time... As opposed to Final Fantasy VII, sorry, that oh. everyone saw it, did care about. Yeah, like, yeah, It's just, yeah. like, it's so weird. Anyway. Uh, it has a real-time battle system, though mm-hmm. it has uh, limited uh, timed ATB-style meters, and mm-hmm. you only control one character at any given time. Um, there are some light SRPG, strategy RPG additions mm-hmm. to the battle system. You move between four different uh, zones or quadrants in combat, and depending on where you go, some are safer, some will open you to risk, but let you hit their weak point and stuff like that. It looks really cool. Again, I have not played this game and I want to because it's not available for anything but the Saturn and they made like 20,000 copies and that's all that exists in the it universe. It is a ridiculous collector's item. Yeah. And yeah. I know a few people have signed copies. So, what? you know, that's... That's retarded, amazing. But amazing. Yeah. Now, I've never really actually uh, taken too much time to play it. I think I think I have briefly in emulators, but there are always some glitches. Like really buggy and crappy yeah. looking. Um, sure. This game had like sort of... Uh, you weren't always on rails. There was open world exploration. Mm-hmm. As far as an open world was on a Saturn game, your dragon could go like fly around the towns. A lot of it was on foot, like walking through towns, mm-hmm. buying equipment and so on. And um, yeah, uh, like I said, very few copies were printed. In fact, I actually remember ads in the back of maybe like Ultra Game Players where um, Sega was making advertisements to respond to the lack of copies that were out there. Mm-hmm. And one of the ads was a mask of the main character you could cut out and wear. It's like, until we make more copies, put this on your face. What? Because they, they were addressing the fact that we're going to make more. Oh, Just watch the wow. store soon. Yeah, it was it was a mask you could cut out of the main character. <laughs> that is the saddest thing. That does sound like Sega's kind of snarky Um, advertising at the time Uh, yeah Yeah, the Sega scream but it it was like (sighs) I don't know if they were actively taunting their fans but I think it was a good like because internet was not like it is now right there was no way for people people to know like there would be more games eventually Mm -hmm. so I guess it was a good act of goodwill delivered in a sort of sarcastic tone you know like but they never really did produce more there were two printings oh were there I think the first one was like 12,000 the second one was 12,000 or something like that my numbers could be wrong but one one was extremely limited the other was two but they were both of the same 
same quantity. I see. Uh, however that worked. So yeah, um, I really wish I could say more on this, and I'm sure a lot of you are like Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure things. we did do a Panzer Dragoon, or uh, I, I don't know if it was Panzer Dragoon inclusive or just Panzer Dragoon RPG, but I'm, mm. I'm pretty sure we did a Retronauts like maybe three or four years ago. Okay, I checked it. my I checked all the Retronauts, but I think it was just a Saturn one. But I'm sure you covered. Oh, that's that. probably yeah. what when yeah. we were talking about it. There. Uh, I think but we yeah. had Milky on that one. Actually. Oh yeah, 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 yeah Milky yeah. and probably Sam Kennedy. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I want to play this game. It's only 10, 15 hours. I, the videos look cool. I'm sure I could get used to the kind of crappy graphics and full motion video. And it reminds me of another Sega RPG called Shining Force 3 that I'll yeah. never play. Because, because it, yeah, they never finished bringing that over Yeah, either. and, like, the Shining Force um, series kind of went to shit after Shining Force 3. And mm-hmm. I really like where it was up until then. But I'll never play it until yeah. I hit the lottery or something and get buy a Saturn by Shining Force 3. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? I've never played this game, and I want to. No, nothing. No, Jose. no, nothing. Well, I, did they even finish? Which was the one that was busted up into two parts? It was. It wasn't two, was it? That was the Shining Force Three had three parts. Oh, okay, we only got one. Of we them. only got the first yeah, part. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. So, so that's why I never even started on it. Shame but, on that. Yeah. Uh, I played pin... the hell out of the next one though. Okay. Yeah, I did. Orta? Yeah. Really? Jose, Andrew please. Yeah, I'll, let you, I'll, let you, I'll let you take this because I, I've only played a little bit of it. My my, my voice is going. Well, no, sure. I mean, it, it didn't really change a, a lot of the fundamental concepts of uh, Panzer Dragoon. I mean, it was still a non-real shooter. Granted, mm. though, um, I wasn't sure if uh, in the earlier ones if you can change the size of your dragon the way you could in uh, in Orta. In Orta, you can alternate between a small dragon, which. Uh, the, there were properties for each one, so the small one moved quicker, so you could use it to mm-hmm. kind of dodge, like incoming projectiles right, right. or big things that were coming at you that you couldn't shoot down. Um, there was the medium-sized one, which had a pretty powerful attack, and then the largest dragon had probably the strongest special attack, but it didn't move for shit. Based on what I read, it, okay, in Orta, you can change between three dragons on the fly. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, yeah. In Panzer Dragoon Zvi, or 2... They, they changed depending on how you played yeah, the game. But yeah, but how you played the game was not always apparent as to how it affected the growth of your dragon, unless you read up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, right, okay. But in this one, it was much more explicit, much more arcadey, where it's like, I want to change on the fly. Yes. Each one has their own strengths and weaknesses yep. and, you know, abilities. I think they each leveled. Yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, they they do. do. Yeah. Level. Yeah. yeah, as yeah. well. Yes, yes, yes. And you're, th- I think that, like, oh. affected, like, your special attack and things like that, yeah. like, as you leveled and things uh, whatnot. I mean, it looked really good for the time. It was an Xbox game, another Xbox game. Yeah, and it another... came out in 2002, so yes. pretty early. Yeah. But uh, I was watching video, and it still looks pretty damn good. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, granted, though, Anna, I tried to play it, I want to say within the last month, I tried to sit down and play it, and it didn't <laughs> It didn't blow me away as much as it did then. Yeah, because I mean, like, a lot of stuff just doesn't up res, like, yeah, really. Yeah, back that then, well. it was pretty mind blowing how, yeah, how, yeah, how yeah. nice it looked. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was an introduction to me for the series because I had heard so much about Panzer Dragoon up mm. until that point. I mean, from all the covers and everything that, it, that uh, magazines gave it. And, uh, I mean, I liked it. I've heard people say it's their least favorite. Uh, really? Which, yeah, I, I think I've seen that somewhere. And I was just like, huh. okay, I don't That's understand. Odd. But uh, but um, as far as how I thought uh, Orta was, I thought it was great. I mean, I thought it was a really cool game. It was challenging. It was you know, it had. It, I, I think even then, and I'm not sure if this was true of the other versions too. Where like the trigger controls on the on the Duke or on the mm. Type S, whichever one you yeah, had at the, the time. Is that what the one that was made for um, Sasquatch? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was I the only really controller I've had that actually Sharky. fit my hands too. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I liked so, those. Actually. Yeah. So so using the Duke, um, I remember too that the triggers would uh, would change your viewpoints. You can go in mm. 90 degree increments to look around your dragon right, to right. Kind of shoot things down and whatnot. Um, and uh, you know, it just had a really it presented a really cool world that I wanted to learn more about. Yeah, like all the Panzer Dragon games had a really awesome vision. It was like part Dune, uh, yep. part like yeah. sci-fi. I mean, yeah. Dune was sci-fi, but like it was really cool. It was like humanity messed up, and now the world's kind of decimated, and they yeah. got to figure out how to live from there. Yeah. So yeah, I like I like how they did that. And sure. uh, no, it, was, it was one of those things where there was obviously some world building happening in the background. Yeah, yeah. And it was fun to see that, but it, it never like 
forced you to die. Yeah, into they didn't it. throw lore at you yeah. that you had to like you know suffer through. It yeah, was it was just, just like, implied yeah. that there was some internal consistency going on. Yeah, that definitely. was enough for me. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was difficult as hell too. If I remember Orton, oh, yeah. right. I had yeah, a really yeah. hard time finishing that. We game. also yeah, mentioned uh, Smilebit made Gun Valkyrie, correct? Yes, yes yeah, they did. And man, like. Ah, that that just like the most impermeable mess of a game. Yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of it cool was, ideas under it, that. It, it, yeah, it had a really complicated control scheme. Yeah, everyone complained right. about like, it. Switch different. Uh, it, it was almost like this form switching thing in Orta, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. and then you had like different stances or something. It's been such yeah, a long time. Yeah, but then changing since I played, them but. was like really hard to do yeah. based on like the layout <clears> they had. Whereas at least in Orta, I remember it being really easy. Like it was something like it, X or something like yeah. switch your yeah. your dragon. But yeah, it was it was weird. Oh, uh, did Gun Valkyrie get a sequel? I don't think it ever did. I think it did actually. I'm pretty sure it did. Holy crap! Don't. Also, another small tell, tell me if yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, maybe look it up, but uh, it's been a while. Okay. I, I, I think it did. Okay. Yeah, we can sure check this too. out later. Yeah. But to me, at least watching these videos and, and doing research for this episode, it feels like this is like the true vision of Panzer Dragoon finally realized. Like, mm-hmm. they're off of the Saturn. They have all this po- hard, hardware power. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want. It was beautiful for yeah. the time, too. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was. Yeah. And um, I should say that this is playable on the 360, so hooray for that. Yeah, and yeah. it's not and expensive. And it's not hard to find at all. No, no. no. Uh, online, it was like under 10 bucks. you can find a copy. And yeah. uh, for that, totally worth it, I, I would say. What do, well, what do you guys c- think? And it comes with a, with a prior... Which, which game does it come by? Oh, Panzer Dragoon 1. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think yeah, if you beat the game, it's you get really it. It's really hard to look at, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Even, it's even harder now that you're playing it, if you're playing it on a 360 and not an Xbox. Or it could have aged a, a bit better. On an LCD, yeah. It did not age well at all. So, yeah, that was Panzer Dragoon. And it's coming back, in a way, with Project Draco. Which yes. is a is that connect? Yeah, connect only. And yeah. it oh, is that's fine. Uh, I don't mind another connect tube shooter. That's yeah. you know that's the that's one connect game do. I actually play. Yeah, that's so. what they can do oh, best. Child of Eden, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> our buddy uh, Yo Yo Yokio Fut. Okay. Panzer Dragoon guy. I don't want to mangle your name. He is he's back with several Andromeda members who uh, made okay. the original game. So we should be we should be happy about this. It feels like I know this podcast is like, what have you done, Sega, with your franchises? But it's been ten years since Panzer Dragoon Orta, and I think that maybe this could be a good thing for them in their wow. series. It's been a long ten years. Yeah, like, it's hard yeah. to believe 2002, 10 years ago. But we are yes. oldsters. Damn. So, speaking of, our final topic for today is going to be Shenmue. We have a lot to go through on this. We'll try to make it snappy, but oh, Shenmue geez. is an interesting It is failure. very interesting. A very, um, very in interesting it's a, failure. It's a, it's, a, it's a failure and an experiment that, that introduces so many things that, that predate other games that implement the exact same thing so much more successfully yeah, than yeah. Shenmue yeah. does. Yeah. It feels to me like the Heaven's Gate of video games. Heaven's, Heaven's Gate was a movie that ended. Oh, I'm sorry. The I think it meant like of... the cult. Oh like, no, no, no. Yeah, so yeah, uh, so it, it went. It, it, it committed suicide. Uh, wrote a comet, actually, right? it's, it's probably more like that. Heaven's Gate because it kind of killed Sega, um, it, yeah. but they didn't go off on a comet. Yeah. Uh, spent a lot of money on it. Was it was all sneakers and Kool Aid. So, yes. anyways, here's my take on on uh, on Shenmue. Uh, it was a pet project of Yu Suzuki, who sort of sort of earned this project through his like his multiple years at Sega, creating stuff like uh, Space Harrier, yeah. Hang On, Outrun. Outrun. Uh, yeah, Yu Suzuki defined Sega. Yeah, like he was their Miyamoto. He built up way. enough yeah. cred to you know pitch this insanely uh, well ambitious yeah idea. like 
the idea was to have this small area that you can interact with open drawers, mm-hmm. uh, play with vending machines, talk to people. The problem was... The thing is, this was a, like a Peter Molyneux level of promising things. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it yeah. was it was all talk. The problem was, well, okay, the, the problem sales-wise was this was appealing to a very particular uh, mm-hmm. audience, a Japanese audience of a very specific age that would find this mm-hmm. stuff nostalgic. Sure. Yeah. No one in America understood well, what... Well, it's set in the Jap- 80s in Japan, so yeah. it's already two times removed from any contemporary yeah. American it's, audience. It's not even the Japan that we are familiar with, sure. like Tokyo or whatever. It's yeah. more of like a more rural rural setting, and I'm that, that's fine. Which is per- something I thought was yeah. really charming. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I loved it in Persona 4, but Persona 4 didn't cost $200 million to make. <laughs> Well, right. yeah, and it, it sort of appealed, at least in the West, it appealed to maybe an audience that, like, wanted to explore Japan and, and see sort of what it was like. This it's, was kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah. was kind of like my entry level into, into or someone's entry level. No, into I, that I mean, I considered thing. it that. Like, when, when I play, I mean, I thought it was boring, and I'm sorry if you like the game, but I, it totally rubbed me the no, wrong I way. No, I did. It's funny, because the letter you read earlier, that this was the game I was thinking, I was like, man, I did like Shenmue. I'm, I, I'm probably, but I feel like enough people did that it's not, like, that difference in opinion. But, anyway, but I mean, I liked it for the fact that you can explore a world, and yes, I was a Japanophile uh, back then, obviously see my horrible anime past but um yeah Full circle on that level the world he built was impressive but there was nothing really to do in it there was a lot of things to do but they were all incons- inc- inconsequential yeah i mean sure. the most fun i had in shenmue was playing uh space harry i played a lot of space yeah. harry yeah. it was the um, full game well, we're the lucky thing is, here the thing is there were a lot of things i wanted to do in shenmue but getting around and accomplishing stuff and it, it was just so slow paced yeah and i felt like i was always sort of fighting a little bit with the controls and sure. and there was also this was a point in my life where actually i think i was working in a stock room so i would go out i'd go to my job we would race forklifts and i, 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 would, I would come back i would play a little space area in the arcade maybe pet a cat then have a fight with a girlfriend and then i would sit down and play shenmue so there, there was no escapism in this scenario sure, for like sure, the sims sure. in that case but on a much more like focused level yeah, it was just yeah. i was doing all this stuff i was like i don't really want to go to my job driving a forklift it's, instead of going to my job driving a forklift yeah and it's just a shame that you, i mean the world it was really cool that the world ran on a timer and that you kind of had to like, no it wasn't keep tra- I, I thought it, <laughs> it, I thought it, it was, was but it was part. potentially really irritating the time sure the points was, where I, um, I carefully timed it so i got home just in time to pet the cat okay but then i would be interrupted by a cut scene with your girlfriend character it's like oh and now my cat ran away yeah because you're a Busy sitting on the swings being moody you know it, that kind <laughs> I, of shit i can say like this is not a bag on shenmue podcast but like the thing about like they sunk all this money into this game but they totally ignored so many things that could have made it better like the main character maybe in, J- in J- japanese he was much more interesting in this he could not seem less interested in avenging his father's but death how, do you yeah, know where to that sailors is, uh, hang out yeah exactly do you remember what happened that <laughs> yeah, day yeah and i want to ask you guys that so is that is that the fault of just the game design itself or is that the fault of just localization and especially the acting i mean that game for everything, I, I mean, think Tom, you remember Tom. Hey. Oh God, Tom! Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's a like, little oh, column God. A, a little column B, but the localization didn't help. And we have some quotes on this. Uh, our friend uh, Jeremy Blaustein or Steen. I'm sorry if I get your name wrong. I always mm-hmm. do. He did not actually direct the uh, vocal recordings, but he helped get it all together. Right. And um, uh, Yu Suzuki was kind of being a real pill about this. Yeah. Uh, can you read the quote, Jose? Oh, yeah, oh. sure. Uh, which one? Uh, so, unfortunately. Okay, unfortunately, there uh, was the added burden that Suzuki insisted that all voice acting, including the English, had to be recorded in Japan. The reason the we fuck? did it in Japan, by the way, was because Mr. Suzuki, wanted, Mr. Suzuki wanted access to it while it was being done. He probably thought uh, that if he can go and quality control it himself, it would be better. Or I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to leave his desk and go see how things were going. It was done around his schedule. It wasn't done because it was the best thing to have done. It was done because we didn't have the money to do it. In, it wasn't done because we didn't have the money to do it in New York. Uh, it was simply because uh, that was his decision, which is re- that's like a Jesus complex. Yeah, on, yeah. On, uh, it feels like really uh, yeah. this this pet project really got out of hand mm-hmm. with his with his control over it. But yeah. does Suzuki even speak English? 
Uh, that's the thing. I don't think he does. I didn't think so either. Yeah. And there are many cases where uh, these processes are over overseen by people who don't. Yeah. In the case of something like, uh, like let's bring up Deadly Premonition. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Sweary, uh, the guy who directed the game. I'm sorry, I said Sweary. 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 You're uh, on the German now. Yes. Yeah. Sweary. Uh, anyway. He does not speak English. I mean, yeah. he, uh, he he does English on Twitter, but I don't think he's that fluent. Uh-huh. But he helped uh, choose voice actors and stuff. But he actually depended on like uh, English voice um, directors and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, in this case, I think it was he had too much control. He didn't really understand how things were supposed to sound in English, so that's why every every line is awkward. There's yeah. no natural line in this. And in fact, um, people are saying uh, Ryo, who's the main character, is one of the most natural actors in the game, which is funny because he's not <clears throat> the guy who played him is not even an actor. It's In this interview yeah. that came out, it said that a lot of the voice actors were chosen based on how they looked. Really? For some inexplicable reason, not based on their auditions. Like the main character was chosen because he, I've never heard this. He performed martial arts. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting article. I'll try so to wait, dig did it they up. use him for the motion capture then? I, I'm guessing yes. I'm guessing okay. yes. Where so, in any other game you would do the motion capture with one actor. One actor in the yeah, yeah. like uh, Silent Hill. That's how they did it. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry, uh, not Silent Hill. No, I can think um, of cases games. where somebody has used the same voice actor as the mocap actor, like uh, Max Payne Three. They yeah. finally got what's his name to do that. But that's different, you know, and th- that's a weird exception. Right. There was, oh god that's weird I never so, yeah, heard that like, um, that explains so much into an immense world where time flows eternal you shall venture making acquaintances then parting embark on a journey that shall touch your heart in ways you have yet to experience Shenmue now it is time for your saga to begin it could be that was also something that hurt sales and hurt them in the long run, that they would invest so much money into making this elaborate and insanely developed world and then like just like completely let this localization, which is so important to mm-hmm. how people play your game in another country that has a lot more money and a lot more potential sales, and just completely just, you know, blow it. Because that mm-hmm. game is every line is just awkward and terrible. Yeah. And like you, Amusingly we, so. Yeah, like you remember okay. these lines. How many times have you yeah. played the game and you're like, Do you know where sailors hang out? It's like But it's, it's you, burned into your mind. And, and like the, the, the conversations do not go like how any conversation would it's like you're in the twilight zone have you seen the car what car the black car on the one night was it snowing the one yes, that I happened on so. the day when yeah. it snowed yeah. Yeah. that day yeah, yeah, yeah. the only day it ever snowed ever in recorded history <laughs> yeah so uh, you, guys but are, like, you guys are crushing my Shenmue dreams, what was good about Shenmue okay. <laughs> help me Jose no, there no, was, no, saying, a we're no not saying it's a bad game by a long shot we're saying it's so tragic that I can't remember a game before Shenmue that was so QTE heavy I mean can you no Dragon's Lair it feels like the one well yeah yeah Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean, because that was the entire game. But okay, yeah. it, it also had that weird kind of video game lack of urgency. Is and I'm here to have vengeance on my sure. father. But then you know I'm going to get a job and you know play with yeah. cats. Uh, yes, I, I, I will. I will avenge my father's death right after I play with this kitten and buy these capsule toys and play, yeah. and play at least like sixteen hours. hours of Space yeah. Harrier. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. and uh, God, I'm sorry, Jose. No, I don't mean okay. to dump on this I mean, game. It's okay. It's also weird because um, I feel like they. I mean, it was really ambitious when I tried to do it, even in combat, like where they were trying to throw in virtual fighter like mm. kind of combos and moves. Yeah. If you looked at Rio, but you almost he never felt used like every it. character in virtual fighter, almost everyone. Yeah. I mean, he felt like Akira. He felt oh, like uh, one, some, yeah. yeah, one of the girls. I can't remember who. Yeah. Um, but it, it just, and I like, kind of like the crossover aspect of that. Yeah. But there was precious little actual fighting in this game, considering sure. how much yeah, time yeah. you could spend practicing Very few. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even less loving. But you know what's weird? I guess. I guess on some level, I will say that maybe even something like GTA 3 didn't 
didn't deliver everything it promised, but it gave you enough fun shit to do that it didn't yeah, matter. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like yeah. whereas with Shenmue, you had this this really hyper detailed world. Yeah. But nothing really else I to think do. The problem was like the tragedy it. of this game is that he was focusing on things that weren't important. Right. Completely ignoring things that were, like localization, like giving you something to do, like having a character that at least seem interested in his goal in some yeah. way. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, or like, was a character in any sense? Yeah, of the like word. had emotions or had like interests or had feelings. Yeah. It just seemed like uh, Ryo was like just a blank slate. Yeah. yeah, and it was so funny that like in these scenes with his girlfriend or not his girlfriend, this girl that's interested in him. It's like he does not even know how to talk to a woman. It, it's just like this girl is throwing herself at him, and he's just like, "Hi, how's it going? Uh, yeah, um, I gotta go." Later. Oh, I thought that was just normal. <laughs> that, that, I thought that was a Japanese thing. Oh, it's just like, an anime like carryover. Kind yeah, of deal. like his yeah. his aloofness to like every. Everything in the universe just like completely turned me off, and yeah. that's why I could not yeah. play through Shenmue. And I wanted it to be good. I want. I paid yeah. fifty Every, bucks a lot for of it. People wanted it to be. I wonder, good. Yeah. I wonder if. Uh, I wonder how people in Japan feel about Shenmue. I mean, are they? I'd like they to know as, as terrible about it as we do. I'd like to know like, like how I don't it's feel sold. Ter- well, I do feel terrible about it. Are you right? <laughs> I was okay. gonna say. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I, I can meanwhile look at it and say, wow, this was prescient in a lot of ways. I mm-hmm. think that is an it is an interesting way of building a world. And, sure. You know. Yeah. So uh, we have to move on. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's go to Shenmue Two, Jose. This is gonna be all you do. Because yeah. I didn't care yes, enough. Please by tell this us time. about Shenmue 2. And <laughs> it just it continued the story on uh, Rio's like path to China. And China was super colorful. And I mean, there was. I can remember a couple of moments where I felt like, wow, they really did sort of capture like this sort of. I don't know. Like, I want to say like so, some sort of like movement or something. Something that. Uh, that I feel like uh, Chinese or, or Eastern influences, they just have this sort of like air to them, like this mm. sort of mysticism. I felt like some of that got captured by at least what they were trying to mm. present, but the game itself, I mean, just like this character So much like joy the first game, like, and that it was actually capturing an environment very well, yeah, but not actually... Yeah. But not the people in it, and yeah. not the motivations behind what was, you're really doing. Was the design? But it was, was a lot more action focused. Yeah. I feel than the first game. Well, the first game was very like laid back, and I mean, in the second game, he's actually trying to avenge. Like he's figuring things out, and it, okay. it, there's more purpose to how he's moving. I mean, uh, uh, was this game actually informed by the the flaws of or the criticism of the first game? It feels like it was based on what I've heard people who have played it, like you. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I can say that at least in terms of that, there was more there was more action, and it felt like there was at least a, a it, it was better paced. Whereas the first game, there's just a lot of, like, you don't know what to do and nothing really leads anywhere until all of a sudden at the end of the game, you're on a boat and you're mm. on your way to China. Yeah. And uh, it just kind of picks up from there. And it, it picks that that beat up really quickly. Because um, I remember, too, you get to China and, like, you your bag is stolen by a kid. Yeah. Uh, you get into a fight with a bunch of people. And it just, like, dot, 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 like, one after the other. Like, just, like... Shit's actually happening. As opposed yeah, yeah, to as asking opposed people to random questions all yeah. day. Yeah. And another game that ended up on Xbox. Yeah. Shenmue 2. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember uh, at the time you could buy the Dreamcast import, which had English subtitles. I did that. Yeah. Okay. That's how I played it. It yeah, came out in Europe. It. One of those weird... Like, yep. Europe usually gets screwed. Occasionally they get something we don't and everyone, yeah. like, goes insane, like Xeno uh, Blade or whatever. Well, and right. they were selling like Dreamcast converters, like uh, just a disc you needed to pop in to your system oh, and, yeah. and load, and then quickly take it out and do a quick swap. Yeah, and you can play the European version of Shamu, and that's how I played it. I mean, it had English. I don't think it had English. It had English subtitles. It didn't have English like voiceover. Okay. Whereas I think the did the Xbox one. I don't have recall. It? I don't yeah. remember. I, really don't uh, I don't think it did because that's a that's a huge undertaking for a game that was not going to sell well. Yeah. But I could be wrong. And they I, and. I mean, props to Sega for even just saying "fuck it, let's just put it out and get yeah. it out there." But, uh, but I mean, ha- they didn't want to do it for the third. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to uh, Shenmue after that? Because it existed in some odd form uh, after yeah, Shenmue Two. Yeah, it existed uh, in a couple of ways. Wasn't it Shenmue World? And, this uh, is all you, man. Uh, is <laughs> it really? I, I don't know. I, 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 I barely sustained there, interest there in the first one. There either. I believe there was there, a, there, well, there was a cell phone game, and there was supposed to be a PC game. Right. I don't know if the the uh, RPG ever came out, but it sure as hell didn't come out here. Nope. Um, yeah. But that cell phone Probably game Korea, did. It was sort of like. 
sort of like a fun gamey version of Facebook where you yeah. like I don't know it's like a social game and you know not good it as most social into games a social are game. and, yeah. and, and a, an interview went up last year uh, Suzuki said he, I mean he'd do Shenmue 3 if he had the funding but who's going to fund the project I mean and the other thing look at, look at what eventually happened <laughs> that's a lot happened. of good money after bad yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, but look at what happened uh, if, you, if you take uh, Yakuza kind of became Shenmue's replacement it really and did and did in a yeah. lot better ways and crazy thing I didn't know Nagoshi was on uh, Yu Suzuki's team at one point Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard like, that. Whoa, yeah. yeah. It makes kinda... a lot more sense in retrospect. Yeah. Doesn't Yakuza it? is yeah. awesome. I yeah. need to play. Th- I've only played a little bit of the first one, but like the main character kicks ass. Mm-hmm. He goes after what he wants. Yeah. Uh, it's filled with all kinds of colorful uh, violence and awesome characters. Sure, yeah. I mean, and it's contemporary. Cool set it's pieces. not trying to set you back like two two decades to like the eighties. Yeah, where, like, yeah. The world was still was wearing all these and tight jeans and shit. At like, least for know. us, oh well, yeah, because that's so much different than the present. At least for us ignorant Americans, it shows us a version of Tokyo that we've seen. You know what I mean? I mean, not that I need that, but it's. It's like it's more yeah. familiar to me, and I'm like, sure. okay, I, I've seen this on TV or in movies or whatever. When the CD, the, the whole CD like background behind this like uh, Japanese mafia, I mean, is a lot more interesting oh, yeah, than yeah, like definitely. some stupid revenge story. I yeah, mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be yeah. honest. Like, I, I like Shenmue, and I can defend it to a certain point. But I mean, Yakuza by comparison was way more interesting. Even Yakuza is a revenge story, isn't it? Uh, uh, there is. I yeah. believe so. Yeah, that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I was going to have a segment on Valkyria Chronicles. There's not a lot to talk about, so I'll just make it brief. This was a. This was, to me, poised to be Sega's next big series, and a lot of great talent was behind it, like Reiko Kodama, who did Fantasy Star, and uh, some of the Overworks people who worked on um, Skies of Arcadia. First game, amazing PS3. If you haven't played it, go out and play it. Um, Just a fantastic world. It's very... The visuals are very anime, but for an anime-ish RPG, it has a surprising amount of dignity, self-respect, and self-control. Mm-hmm. They don't go for the tropes you would expect. It's very, very reserved. So it's not just about upskirts and stuff no, no. like that? No, no. There's one character who is an idol singer, She's not important. You don't need to use her at all. There's DLC based on her, but fuck that. I'm not going to play it. Okay. Second game <laughs> ruins the entire franchise. PSP cashes in on Monster Hunter craze. Oh. Uh, lots of useless grinding. The worst character designs I've seen in some time. Every anime trope you can remember, even the gross, incestuous, and pedophilic ones. Um, okay, yeah, that came out here. Three, they, <laughs> they tried to turn it around. It never came out here. Yeah. I can't speak to three's quality, but they tried to make it more dignified, more uh, subtle, more subdued in tone. Well, it uh, sounds like it couldn't be any less. So. Yeah, like it w- anything would be an improvement, but we're never going to get three. It's pretty much been on record. I but see. this to me, I'm not sure how well Valkyria Chronicles 1 sold, but two felt like just a cash in like, oh, Monster Hunter's huge. We need to get something right. out. And we have this property. Yeah. 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 I mean, did. even PSO, they say. You really uh, can't overstate the, that. Yeah. That craze yeah yeah but yeah. like to me it just so much wasted potential because this universe was so interesting there's a history to it they spent a lot of time developing the world but not shoving it in your face yeah uh and like i said if you have not played valkyria chronicles for the ps3 go out and play it it's not that expensive and you'll just fall in love with it i mean it's not a you perfect make it sound game. Like, like the valis hentai game or something <laughs> uh what valkyria chronicles, uh, sorry, valkyria chronicles 2 it's almost it, that mean, in bad. terms of disconnect just yeah. like it's it's so loosely connected to the original game and just like every horrible trope that you've come to hate from like japanese entertainment and anime so yeah, yeah. That's the latest example of Sega just pissing something uh, of virtue and quality just right down their leg. And now I doubt we'll see four. I doubt we'll see four. And we Americans will never see three because it just became this cheap PSP cash in that, Hmm. you know, I mean, the gameplay was still there for the most part. But what made it so uh, like just like original and unique and I don't know, like moving and emotional was everything around it, which was no longer there in the second game. Jeez. So, yeah. That's my rant for today, Sega. Shame on you for ruining a good franchise before it even had the friggin' time to get a second game. Even Jet Set Radio had a second game. That was pretty uh, good, right? All right. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm sure. done. Okay. I'm done. That was my rant for today. All right. <laughs> Anyways, well, guys. this could have been more positive, but, yes. you know. Yeah. Hey, Valkyria Chronicles, first one's still good, but less. Yeah, yes, excuse me. <clears throat> 
Let's give out our Twitter names. Before we go, I am Bob Servo on Twitter, and we are Retronauts on Twitter. So please follow me and Retronauts if you so choose. You guys want to give out your Twitter names? Sure. Uh, Jose underscore Otero. My last name, O-T-E-R-O. And uh, I'm Evil Sharky on Twitter. Or you can uh, go to theinternetisforassholes.com. Oh, is it? did you have that Whoa. domain name? I'm grabbing it before you put this up. Okay, you, you better you better put it up before tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, Okay, cool, awesome. Uh, we have a blog, as I mentioned in this podcast. It's retronauts.com. Not the way you think it's spelled. It's R-E-T-R-O-K-N-O-T-S.com. For every uh, episode we do, there's a blog post that tells you all the music we use in it. There's going to be a lot in this one, and we also have uh, interesting info on the topics in the episode, and also blog posts that are not related to episodes with interesting articles and entertainment and fun things. So please check out our blog. We're also on iTunes. Please subscribe to us. Leave a comment, rate, and review us, and it helps out the show a lot. And finally, we are doing uh, we uh, excuse me daily videos throughout the week. So Monday through Friday at 12 o'clock p.m. PST, come to One Up for the Retronauts lunch break, and we play about 15-20 minutes of a classic game every Friday. We are playing A Link to the Past as part of a complete playthrough. So if you come in on Friday, you can see that in progress. And uh, they've been a lot of fun, getting good reception, and I've been having a ton of fun doing them. So yeah, that's all I have to say. So gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. This has been. Uh, a little angrier than I expected, <laughs> but so. it's because we like Sega, not because we hate them. We just want to see these things back, the things that we love. We want to see them back, or at least we come here not to praise Sega, but to bury Exactly. It. So yes, until <laughs> next week, I've been Bob Mackey, and this has been Retronauts, and we will see you next week. Hey! Sweet. Sweet.